A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Gentlemen, you all right? All right, Chrissy? Yes, good. The, fu- the final. But you're not going to let me finish my answer before you carry on, on with on He's then, not I'm that bothered, tired. is he? He asks and he's just going to ask. Yeah, I'm tired. Well, you're tired. Yeah. You're tired. Carry on. The last of the series. Okay. Double graded here, John. Huh? I've just noticed. Yeah, double grey. Well, there's a couple Mild of two tone underneath there. Oh, well, I've started. <laughs> underneath there. <laughs> the gusset. No. <laughs> Sweaty gusset. I've started my fitness regime. <laughs> Playing tennis this afternoon. Oh, yeah? No. <laughs> have you done any more? I've, I've, I've been busy. Do you open apart? How, how long did the diet last? I'm still on it. Sporadically. <laughs> can't sporadically go on a diet. I know, I dip my toe in now and again. <laughs> I <laughs> can't get my head around that split, uh, whatever it's called, Slimming World. Fucking play, we play golf, Chrissy. Tommy, uh, Little Rio's charity day. And he brings three thingies of pasta, tuna pasta. For on your diet, but then had it's, 12 pints. We had a couple, didn't you? I, no, I, chicken I, dinner as well. <laughs> <laughs> you took a pat lunch. I you didn't have a dessert. I I bet- no, I didn't. I'll give you a dessert away. Uh, I weren't going to have any pints, but I ended up having two. So, how many things of pasta did you bring? Well, I just I fetched one really big tub and I fetched right. another two with me. So, I, I obviously had some. So, when do you eat that? Like between third and fourth all? And no. One, well, one yeah. before we teed off. Didn't I, had you, a, didn't I had a little bit before me, we teed off, and then I had half time of bacon sarnies, and that's not on my diet. So, that must have. Uh, yeah, given that away. They were good. They look very good. Oh, aye. So I just chewed a mayo, mayo pasta. And the only stipulation is it's got to be light mayonnaise. But you can eat as much as you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds the best diet in the world. <laughs> I'm yet to see any results, like, but... They, well, they, they had a chicken dinner after. Yeah, but you can have a chicken dinner. A couple dinner. of pints. You can have a chicken dinner. <laughs> I said, where's, he, where's the last bit of pasta? He went, I'll have that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Way home. Hey, <laughs> As if, it, as if he's having a go at me for that one. We've just seen that kitchen in there. You know what I mean? What a mess. Oh, my God. It's bad, isn't it? It's not even a, it's not even a student house. It's, it's it's like a squat. I know. You walk in and your first thing you think is train spotting. <laughs> How's your muffin top? Muffin top? <laughs> I can see it underneath your arms. Yeah. No, no, no point of squeezing in. <laughs> it went downhill at the weekend, I'll be honest with you. It was bank holiday, wasn't it? <sighs> a funeral on Friday. First order with that buffet. Was it a Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. Triple carb. Yeah. Beige buffet. Good, but not great either. It was good. Yeah. It was piled. I had good intentions, but buffet. First hurdle stumbled. Bar. Second hurdle stumbled. 
And then went cricket after, and that were it. Then I just walked off track. I'm not, I'm not playing. I went to watch cricket Friday night. What? 2020. Oh, yeah. all right, local. Yeah. For future reference, Tupperware full of pasta. Take it yeah. yeah. In a satchel. It's not yeah. done really good. Home well at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Can you just leave that? Leave that puke clear, please. I'm, that's my lunchbox is sitting there. <laughs> I, could, I could take it in with you. Look, leave it at Noah. Ah, but yes, the last, our last uh, episode of the series. We usually do a best of, but do you know what I think we should do? Best, best of the intros. Do you think that's how far we've yeah, come? That's how far we've come. That's yeah, a finger man. up to the haters, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair, their average ten hours, ten, ten hours, ten minutes long. We've done fifteen episodes, and say that's a nice hour and a half episode. But the last episode of the series, we've got a little break over the summer. We could, we could chuck the odd one out in mm. here and there. We'll have a best, best of the Patreons coming out at some point. Talking football for a minute. We're going to Wembley, aren't we? Regardless. Yeah. Hopefully to see. Saturday. Yeah, Sunderland and Bolton. We're definitely going to League One final, aren't we, anyway, aren't we? Yeah. Well, you, you were planning on going to the semis, weren't you? You buy tickets? Yeah, I got tickets. Four <laughs> tickets I got. He rang me. This is it. It's the big one. I'll see you at the back stick. <laughs> one of us is going to Wembley. We're going to get there for the semis. So I got straight on, got tickets. There were a queue. I was walking back. There were a queue right round ticket office. I queued up for an hour. Lies. <laughs> got tickets and then I got a message off him three minutes later oh I can't go Saturday I've got a dinner <laughs> why would you not check that first so, so like, let me just let me, I'm like, I like crime stuff and all that I like investigating things so I got, you got a message off me three minutes later but you just queued an hour for tickets yeah, uh, three, yeah. Min- yeah. three minutes after I bought them alright oh, no, right. three minutes after uh, I bought see what I mean you're full of shit you like, pissing down rain didn't have a jacket. Who's your been your favourite episode of this, this series? T P for me, I think. Tony Pulis. Right at the start. Right up there. Bawley for me though. Oh yeah. Hero. Local yeah. hero. Danny Simpson I enjoyed. Yeah, I did. Is that the only two partner? Yeah, it was. I was thinking it's been hard man heavy, hasn't it? This and we've got another one today. Well there's been hard and then there's been well, we had Nadia Law. Yeah. Nadia Law and Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, to if... be fair, I reckon David Egger could fucking scarf a shark. What in a brawl? If, I, right. if a pipe pot gets flung in a motor, I think Egger's flung it in the toilet doing his hair. <laughs> Set the scene then. Uh, series 16 bar brawl. All our, all our guests, all 15, 14 of them, because Danny, Danny Simpson were a two parter. In a West End pub, I'm thinking like a, a Guy Ritchie esque scene, and they're all in there and it kicks off. Royal what unfolds. Type thing. Yeah, what unfolds? I reckon Jason Lee starts it. Mm, bit too mouthy after a couple yeah. of pints. Yeah, he says some, uh, somebody, somebody's not takes offence. Yeah, takes offence. Uh, no, should... I, I think Rod could start it. Yeah, you think but Rod's then chirpy. Chirpy. You know, yeah. like, says something a little bit too close to the board and then moonwalk off. Mick Harford stood in the corner with his long leather jacket on, yeah. just watching it all unfold. Shotgun and pockets. Yeah. I know no, he's gonna. I reckon Pulis behind the behind the bar with the shotgun. You know, like he he like tries to stop. Yeah, <laughs> just tell enough. Fuck, fuck it, it lads, <laughs> lads, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Have a fucking drink, lads. Fucking hell's bells. I reckon Bayo and Colker 
uh, like the mediators trying to calm it down. But Bale's got a switch yeah, on it. But I, re- I reckon if it, it needs. kicks off. It really goes off like when Bali and Hartford like squaring up to each other. Bale, come on, bruv, come on, bruv, and then ball is just like not on yeah on the floor then it properly goes then off. it goes where's Cadis at in all of this i reckon Cadis will have a go but it's <laughs> in the corner of a jam sandwich <laughs> <laughs> i reckon he'll have a go but the maltese at home <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> he'll have a go but he'll go down early he do. i think yeah well he's fatigued hasn't he for, yeah. he's only had jam sandwiches for four no energy for six months he's fucked <laughs> isn't he three swings in his arm too tired I reckon Rob Foley and um, Nardiello sl- just not for them slope out. Yeah. By the point. time it's all finished, they've got a bag of chips. Yeah. They? Yeah. Is there anybody David like Edgar? I think there'll be one. Maybe Edgar, who's like, come on then, but known somebody's holding them back. Yeah. You always get one of them, don't I you? Think, I, I think Edgar might come in from back from nowhere with a stool. <laughs> <laughs> It shatters. <laughs> but then MacArthur just turns around like nothing, yeah. nothing, and then just bang, he's gone. Edgar's gone. The stool breaks. Yeah. So Caddis is on the deck. Edgar's on the deck. We're, we've not even fucking uh, included Swanee in any of this, by the way. Oh, I reckon Swanee. Right. So picture the scene now. I reckon it's they're all on the floor now. Mick Hartford and Ball are yeah, just going for it. Mick Hartford just stands up at the end. He's got blood on him. You think it's all over, dust settling, and then just Swanee at the side of the back. You just see him at the back of the bar. In a, I don't know why he's got a cowboy hat on, but that's one of the you can't <laughs> see. That. You can't see his face, and then he's just like, just whistles, and Zeus pounds over the bar. <laughs> <laughs> for the win, yes, for the win. Zeus for the win, and then Swanee just gets up, step, stepping over bodies, finishes his pint, just yeah, finishes his pint, and him and Zeus just walk out <laughs> into the sunset. With a, little, with a little pat on Zeus's head. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Could, Zeus might even come through a window. Yeah, he'll come just through a lava. Yeah, I, I actually pictured that all of that happening in my head. Yeah, I hope you did. Yeah, I think I might comment on this intro. Yeah. <laughs> That is wang. <laughs> you fucking well, get Gary, Do you know what? I reckon somebody. You know, we we get like like artists doing pictures. I re- I think if somebody could do an image of that full of a bar brawl, yeah, yeah, it'd be good. I'd wear that t-shirt, Banksy. <laughs> is there anything you come and do it on the side of Brandy's conservatory? <laughs> To tidy Please. the place up a bit. <laughs> and when, and what, you know, your old spray can that just chuck them in the kitchen. That'll <laughs> <laughs> be fine. That's <laughs> well, been a good one. When you it has. look at that list, you look at the list. It's been uh, it's been a good series, hasn't it? If we're going back, going back to your scenario, Nicky Eden turns up late with the two strippers. Yeah. Then what the fuck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I can only apologise. Nicky, I like to see we're getting walloped. Just get his wallet out. Sorry for wasting your time. Here's your money, ladies. No good series. That's been a good one. Yeah. Good mix. Do we know when we're back? We'll be back just before the season starts. Well, seems a long way away, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Season's finished. We'll get, yeah. I, I think we should maybe chuck a couple, a couple of surprises in between. Eight weeks. We're yeah. still releasing on Patreon, though, obviously. Oh, of course. But yeah, the, the Patreons are coming out every other week if you get yourself involved. So if you're Do bored, we dare say that Phil Branton's out in two weeks' time? 
Can do. Can yeah. we? Yeah, Phil Brown's on Patreon two weeks. It's good. It's good, isn't it, John? I just mm. kept... I thought you were quiet, me. I you mean, were we've quiet. talked about this. I don't know but... if it was because he was hungover or nervous. I think he was... I think he was before. drinking because of the nerves, and then it was a combination of the two. That mm, got the, too much. On the day, yeah. It's like when you have too much before your best man speech, isn't it? Yeah. And you fuck it. You fuck it up. <sighs> Lies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're not aware of the Patreon, what, two pounds, just short of three quid a month, two extra episodes, and... Is a two hundred on there now? You Must get the be. full. You can go full it's back catalogue. You forget oh, how many we've yeah. done. How many belters we've done? Like Carlton and Norm. Fucking hell. Steve Walsh. Two hundred might be steep. Yeah, actually. might be one fifty. Yeah. yeah. Might but be still, they're all there. The full back catalogue. You can make your way through. There's yeah. some, so yeah, like bored, said, some good ones listen. on there, isn't there? So you pay your three pound, or just short of three pound, and you get the whole lot of the back catalogue. It's summer holiday season, isn't it? By the pool. Yeah, yeah kids you... are fucking running riot. Headphones in. Headphones in. Forget Listen about to big it. Dogs in. Listen to us and Hobbits. This is an underrated episode today. Matt Elliott. Yeah. Well, it's not been it's on the no, Nobody's rated, rated it yet. yet it's yeah, not it's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very good episode, yeah. as you always say. Yeah. We did this before the live show in Leicester, didn't we? Yeah. Some great stories. There is. I can't remember. To be honest, it's that long ago. I can't remember either, but I'm not going to say there's no, not much stories, am I? Should we get him in? Should we get uh, him let's in? Let's get him in. Well, thanks to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. Everyone. Thanks for everybody who sponsored us for this series. Yeah. If you want to sponsor the next one, get in touch. Yeah. Um, thanks for everyone for listening. Thank you. Me? Thank you, guys. Oh, thank yeah, you, Matthew. Thank you. It's our pleasure. I thought you were thanking us for the hospitality there. Well, I might do if it were a bit tidier. I'll go out on a limb here saying I will be slimmer at the start of the next yeah. series. Yeah. We should have get, gotten you two weird and. <laughs> we were going to go like to a... the fucking tip. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're... Uh, is that yeah? Is that is that the scrap metal place? Yeah. Oh, we got a big one coming in. We don't got no scrap. We just want to wear this fat fucking thing that looks with us. Oh fuck me! Oh, let's get him in then. Not with you, by the way. The fat thing, not me. <laughs>
it came over to me and then, yeah, people speak like the Burkamp hat trick. People know what you're on about most of the time. And, uh, yeah, perhaps I should have tried nutting him as well, shouldn't <laughs> I? But whatever I did didn't work. But, yeah, no, I used to pick up the pieces, really. More often than not, I play in the middle of the three, <clears throat> even though they were both left-footed. Sometimes, like, we play on the opposite side. Tags would be on the right-hand side, even. But I just let them two cause carnage. And then I'd just come nitpicking through. And <laughs> were you the more cultured one? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. But uh, Walshie used to... I mean, I could look after myself, don't get me wrong, but Walshie would... Um, he would just sort of take over and, like, babysit me, or other players as well. And he would cause... He would carry vendettas that other people ha should have, and he had them for them. He's <laughs> <laughs> a little it's bit a good like person, that. All that. Yeah, he no. had a kill list. He said he had his kill list. Yeah, oh, yeah. Lovely lad, Walshie, and he's soppy as anything off the pitch. On the pitch, the eyes go. Yep. It's time to be wary, to be honest. He's a, he's a tough lad. Oh, he had some, like, 28 operations, and he's, like, half of them were serious as well. But he still battled through and played till he's about 35. He should have been in a wheelchair about 28, but he was a, yeah, no, he's a tough lad, Walshie. And, um, would you know when that switch has gone? Just yeah. by yeah, obviously like, playing with fortunately, him. Fortunately, it was so always much. to my benefit. Yeah. Like, come on, we played, I mean, we played uh, Wimbledon once at Sellers Park when they were ground sharing. And uh, I scored two goals first half. And I'd only, only been at Leicester for a few months. And I was thinking, what is Premier League business? Yeah, I scored two. I was like, oh, this is good, isn't it? <laughs> and then second half kicks off. See someone warming up and he's coming on, substitution, Mick Harford. <laughs> now, I'd heard about Mick, but I'd never experienced it up, up close and personal. And Walshie says, uh, watch out, watch out for this. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be all right, I'll be all right. And he was like, any trouble, let me know. I'm like, Walshie, I can look after myself, <laughs> mate, it's all right. Anyway, Mick takes the kickoff, goes all the way back to Ben Thatcher, who was playing left back for them at the time. And you know what's coming with Wimbledon, so I was just... Ben's head's gone down. I've just sat in the channel, waiting for the long ball over the top. Before Ben's even struck the ball, bang, forearm smash right across his face like that. <laughs> what are you doing? What's that all about? <laughs> he went, you won't be scoring two this half. So <laughs> <laughs> Big Arthur was like, yeah, maybe not. But Walshie's come Walsh, over. Walsh, yeah. Walsh. Walsh. That was the one occasion when I did Arthur. I was like, Walshie, come here. <laughs> no, one come over anyway, and he was like, um, Leave him alone, you don't know. And again, I was like, it's all right, well. And he's like, you keep out of it as well. Or you all have some. And them two threatening to go at each other. I was like, oh. Then at the end of the game, women scored, make it 2-1. And then there was a there was a throw in. I think it was Vinnie Jones, a long throw. You know one of them that's just going over the top, I'm marking Harford, it's just going over the top of his head. And you've got to go for it, but you know you're going to get done. <laughs> sort of thing. You know, just leaning over and the arm goes up, more so back then than now. I thought, I've got this worth getting hurt for. I've got to do it. 2-1, five minutes to go. So I've gone, I put my head in, I just shut my eyes, waiting for the contact. <laughs> and it just went, just whistled right past like his elbow. And I said, Jesus, got married that one. Hesky goes up the other end, scores, win 3-1. Walking off the pitch. I was like, you know, we're happy. We've had a good win. And then uh, all of a sudden, yeah, Elliot. Like that. I said, oh, I heard that, but I'm not looking back. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Sid, Elliot. I'm like, oh, what's the matter? What's up, mate? What now? What's the problem? He went, see you. And I was like, oh, here we go. I'll see you in the bar afterwards. He said, well played, son. We'll have a beer together. How about that? And I was like, 
result. <laughs> I'll even buy it. Yeah, I'll even buy it for you. Like yeah, and I've met him a good few times since. We have a right giggle. He's, he's a great lad. I see him at Cheltenham races and places like that. But um, it's class up though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the difference. Yeah, it's good. It? It's good fun. Good competition. You know, up against him. But Walsh was always there a little bit. Tags, you know, Tags. Jerry Taggart, he's, um, he can look after himself as well. He was probably a little bit more understated than Walshie. Walshie was all-out violence at times. <laughs> <laughs> An animal. Yeah, yeah, he was a bit bit naughty at times. But uh, Tags was, they were good lads to have around you, put it that way, yeah, certainly. So Walshie got, obviously got sent off an outrageous amount of time. Yeah, he's proud of that record. Well. <laughs> I know, he's told us. It's the actual, I think it's joint record holder, isn't he, for the red cards. Yeah. He'll mention that within the first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but were you ever like, as a team, like, come in after the game and go, fuck's sake, Walsh, you've let us down there? <laughs> or were you just like, we'll just leave him? Um, no, we'd never say that because we had still do like, a lot of respect for Walsh. He was, you say about letting us down, more often than not, it was, it was the opposite. You know, he, he would battle away, put in performances when... It, there was no merit to do that, really. He, he was, uh, he soldiered on a lot of times. But the one time, is when you mentioned that, where he was a bit let down by himself, we played Chelsea in a quarter final, yeah, sixth round of the FA Cup, and uh, away at Stamford Bridge. And we were one nil down, I think, whatever. And, and Chris Sutton was marking me. And Chris Sutton actually, did me when he was at Blackburn a little bit. And I got um scar there all the way through, about 12 stitches. But I don't really hold grudges, but Walshie does for me, <laughs> like I said. And we're there, and something's marking me, and he, he was doing a decent job. And all I said to Walshie was, Walshie, do his favour, block something, will you? I said, like, help us out a bit. So he's like, right, right. So the ball's still on the corner spot in the, in the segment there. Next minute, you heard this, like, yelping and screaming on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I looked down and Chris Sutton was like grabbing his throat. I was struggling to breathe. Oh, <laughs> she's just gone bang. Caught him like Adam's apple type thing, a little bit naughty. <laughs> to tell you the truth, the Lions woman's, I think it was a Lions woman, she saw it, up it goes, flag up, red card, off you go. Oh, she's got sent off. And I was like, oh, she, I only see fucking blocking me. <laughs> you know yeah, nearly killed him, but then he got off. <laughs> uh, he got sent off, we in the changing rooms, he lost the game to. Um, and Martin and he was like, Walshie, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Why are you doing things like that? He says, oh, Gaffer, like, I've wanted to get him back for ages. He said, well, it's not your problem. It's Maddie's like that, whatever. <laughs> and then Martin says, well, on top of that, we've got a League Cup final in two weeks' time. You missed that, you clown. And Walsh was like, oh, if I knew that, I wouldn't have done it, would I, Gaffer? He said, well, you have fucking done it now. <laughs> oh, it's a nugget. It's a nugget, but... Uh, a good-hearted nugget. <laughs> to go back to the start, mate, another guest that we've had on f started at non-league. Yeah. yeah. Before you signed for Charlton, was it? It's a big jump as well. Oh, massive jump. Yeah, ridiculous. Was, Charlton are, well, Charlton Premier League now. Yeah, at the time, were in, it wasn't the Premier League, but it was the top division, Division 1. And they, they were sort of similar sort of size. They'd say Leicester. Like, like a Leicester without winning the Premier League. You know, at, at the time when I joined Leicester, those years later, they were sort of lurking around the bottom levels of the Premier League. Charlton was similar then, but I'd gone from, well, I was like 17, 18, Epsom and Yule standard, which is probably about 10 pyramids down, down 10 levels down on the pyramid, sorry. But um, 
I nearly messed that up as well. So I was, I was at uh, academies. What were they called back in the day? Schools yeah. of Excellence or whatever, whatever yeah. at Wimbledon and Crystal Palace. But I got a bit disenchanted at Crystal Palace when I was about 14. So I just played with my mates and then ended up playing locally for Epsom Newell. Got in the first team. But then um, locally, the Charlton Athletic physio was a fellow called Jimmy Hendry, who'd also been physio at Chelsea for a period. But he happened to live in Epsom and he just came along and watched, watched the game one time. Um, so he watched the game and he, he got talking to my dad, who was also watching the game afterwards. And he said, oh, your lad can play a bit, can't he? He's all right. He said, and dad was like, yeah, yeah, nice of you to say. And he said, uh, I'm a physio at Charlton Athletic. Do you fancy asking him for a trial on Monday? And my dad was like, what? Called me over. So he said the same to me. He's like, Jimmy Hendry, Charlton Athletic physio, pick you up eight o'clock Monday morning, have a trial. From that level to that, and I was like, he's having a laugh. And, yeah. are, you, are you working or anything? I was working on building site right. at the time. Yeah, just doing a bit of general labouring. Um, just picking up a few quid. I was like, didn't have no real direction yeah. in life at, at that stage. And then playing locally for Epsom, you get like five pound a, a game or whatever and pound win bonus and stuff like that. And then, um, so I didn't really think nothing of it on the night. Saturday night, I went out with my mates and um, just cracked on as normal sort of thing, you know, young, carefree. And I, I bumped into to a girl on the Saturday night. And that carried on to the Sunday night as well. And I thought, you well, hey, you've got some stuff. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not only one shift. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about your fault, <laughs> <one>, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I ended up seeing her on the Sunday as well and stayed over, but no mobiles back in that day. I'd totally forgotten about getting the chance to go and train for child. I just thought it was pie in the sky. And then I got home about 11 o'clock in the morning, whatever, Monday. And my dad was like, where the hell have you been? I was like, why? He went, Jimmy Hendry's been round at eight o'clock this morning to pick you up. I was like, oh shit, was he serious? I, I, I thought that was just a little bit of fancy talk sort of thing. And he said, well, you're in luck. He said, he'll give you a chance tomorrow, eight o'clock in the morning. If you ain't there, then forget it. So I was like, shit, right, I got my head screwed on. Went, uh, went for a month trial. And then Lenny Lawrence was the manager. And he decided to give me a year's contract. But then after about two months, he decided I wasn't good enough and bid me off to Torquay on loan, which is, I've gone like there, up to there, and then back down to near there in a space of about, I don't know, probably four months or so, something like that. But good experience. I was just so unfit. You've been shagging all weekend. <laughs> well, despite that, despite that, I was really unfit. <laughs> Couldn't run, but fucking hell. <laughs> we not tempted to get the, the hat rig ball on the Munda. <laughs> <laughs> Cross my mind, mate. Cross my mind. But uh, <laughs> things took over, priorities took over. But uh, I wasn't the most professional, really. I, I never set out to play professional football. I just played football for fun, and then I sort of got drifted along into it. And then I didn't realise perhaps the opportunities that were there for me until it was a bit late. So I went to Torquay and I was like, yeah, this is more my scene. Um, so we're just thinking, I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll, I'll just ride it. I'll yeah. just do this as long as I can and I'm yeah, off the just, building site. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't thinking it as my, a career as such. It was just something that was happening. Like my mates back in Epsom, they used to come down to Torquay. It was a fair old distance, you know, and they come there and they, can't believe you actually getting paid to play football. And I was like, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's good though. No, we weren't getting paid a lot. Well, the first one at Torquay was like 200 pound, 250 pound a week. Mm. Um, 
most I earned at Torquay was like 400 pounds, reasonable money at the time, yeah. but not fortunes, but it was, oh, it was dangerous down there though. Like I said, <laughs> it's a holiday resort, tourist area, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Birds just flying There's like a load of students there, and you get loads of foreigners coming over, and, and never mind people from England, you know, coastal resort, and it's the, the English Riviera. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but, <laughs> but that's the, the, the thing they like to put out there. But, and what didn't help as well, we were all young lads. I went down initially just living in digs. We used to get paid cash on a Thursday. Like thinking, you couldn't do it any worse, really. All right, cash, but maybe on a Monday. Don't give people money. On the th like, we're meant to stay in on Thursday and Friday, <laughs> 48 hours before the game. Young lads sitting there twiddling your thumbs in digs like that with X amount of cash at your disposal. You ain't staying in, are you? No. So we'd, we used to get ourselves in all sorts of bother. <laughs> and then it wasn't conducive to professional football preparation. Uh, themselves in all sorts of, of, of mess, but they not it, it was taxed by the way, but it was in a brown envelope. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But so we'd sit there and we'd go, like, Right, we're not going to the pub because it'd be about eight of us, young single dads. So we're not going to the pub. What are we going to do? We go, oh, Right, let's have a walk around town, and then we're like, Oh, this is crap. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's think of someone else to do, but let's go to the pub and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of them. So we go to the pub, before we know it, eight pints in, whatever, and struggling home. And woke up Friday and you had about 20 quid left for the week. <laughs> <laughs> we actually got to Wembley that year in the Sherpa Van trophy. We beat Wolves in the semi-final, uh, who were a division above us. But we had some good players, to be fair. We had some, like, at that level. We were known as the Torquay Tipplers. <laughs> And we were labelled that by the chairman. The chairman called us that. And it was, there's all sorts of things going on. Quick mention to our sponsors for this week's episode, chaps. One of our favourites, Manscaped. Oh, oh back in the game. Yes, the leaders. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming. I'll be honest with you, I've been a bit sloppy with mine. Well, you um, what you've I seen in Dublin, too. didn't you? Like a needle in an air stack, mine. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you try. The Essential Lawnmower 4.0. Thing is, you'll they're not, always involved, aren't they? The first one we ever got was incredible, but they're, they're getting even better. Just when you think they couldn't improve on yeah. the last one, they bring out the 4.0. <laughs> you you want to see it fly when I, when I just go straight across with it's the 4.0. Like, <laughs> oh, dear me. They should come with safety glasses. <laughs> yeah, they like you. They should have a, when I've finished, I'm always like that. <laughs> <laughs> The performance package, innit? Yes, well, we've got a special offer on the performance package. Once again, you get the 4.0. You also get the boxers. The boxers are The boxers snug. are unbelievable. They're, they're Comfortable, aren't they? quality. Yeah, they are. I still wear mine. And uh, you get the weed whacker. Sort them nostrils and your ears out. That comes in handy. Mm, I bet it does. Just, I'm at the age now where I've started to get hairy ears. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's, it's yeah. horrible, innit? Does that come to us all, that? Yeah. I hope not. I'm not. But that weed whacker... Straight in. <laughs> <laughs> Still getting the ball toner? The ball toners, yes, you do. And the deodorant. So the wipes. Do you know for a quick one, on, quick one on the go? Get the wipes out. Do, do you have a shave up on the go? No, just a freshen up, Chris. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Just no a freshen up. You, you've gone out at 12 and you've, you might be thinking of half a chance at eight, eight, yeah. seven, eight o'clock. But yeah. 
Obviously, you've been sweaty. Oh, I'm way to a night out. Wait there, yeah. sweetheart. Wait there. I'm just yeah. nipping to the toilet, freshening up. Oh, we wipes underneath your oh, arm. Oh, nah, then. You, know, you get the wash bag, don't you? Oh, yeah, of course. You get the wash bag as well, so you can keep everything discreet. But I'm not the most thoughtful person in the world, but with Father's Day coming up. Yeah. What yeah. an idea for a present. Yeah, Dad. So, sort your nuts out. <laughs> sort your plums out, Father. I think it's more the mum buying it for the yeah. dad from the kid. If we have any. Yeah. Female listeners. Yeah. yeah. More many recommendations for dad? Oh, get him a manscape. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> we got an offer, Chris. Oh, of course we have, because you can get 20% off and free shipping. All you've got to do is go to manscaped.com and use the code COSH20. 20% off. But you will end up with 100% off mm-hmm. if you see what I did there, Chris. Oh, I like it. Excellent job. I like it. Good delivery. And yeah, one, one funny little scenario was with... Fast forward a couple of years or a year and a half, we actually got promoted. We got promoted um, in the playoff final against Blackpool on penalties. Like on a Friday night, the chairman, Mike Bateson, he, he said, all oh, right, lads, um, you can, I'll pay for you all to go away to Tenerife. Right? He says, uh, whoever wants to go, not all the expenses paid for, but he'll pay for the flight and accommodation. Who wants to go? Because that was the last game of the season. A lot of the Northern lads went home straight away because they were itching to go and see their girlfriend missus whatever and family so this lad sean joyce he's gone straight home on the saturday after the game at wembley and then he found out that we're flying on the monday from exeter airport so one of the other lads has phoned sean joyce and said joycey uh the chairman's paying for a trip for us to go away he says like come on you need to get down tomorrow morning exeter airport flying at nine come down tonight if you want or come down and stay at mine or get there in the morning. So he's like, he said, oh, problem, I didn't have a problem. I'm, I'm sitting in front room with our lass. <laughs> so he's like that. And he's sitting, Joyce, he's got him chimbo, he's got a big chin, like punk face. <laughs> he's looking at his missus. Like, and he ain't seen her for a few months prior. And he's waiting all year to spend this six weeks postseason <laughs> with her. And he's like that, looking. He's like, up, love. <laughs> he was retelling us that. And she Chinese pet. <laughs> she said, yeah, yeah, I love Chinese. He went, okay, I'll go and get the Chinese. So he's legged it upstairs, got his backpack, gone down, jumped in the car, driven all the way down to Salkey, and that just gone missing. <laughs> so she's, not even got yeah. any, she's not even got any spare ribs out of job. <laughs> she sat there, she sat there waiting for him to come back. And uh, so like, say that's like the Sunday night, flying on the Monday. So he's gone over, stayed at Dino, Dean Edwards, one of the other lads, stayed with him, flies over, Still ain't contacted his missus. Flies over to Tenerife, gets to the apartment complex. We're like, Joyce, you better find him. He's better like, I don't know what's going on. He went, no, I can't do it yet. He says, I need to find a Chinese. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, I know I'm lying to her, but I don't want to lie. I want to lie as little as possible. He said, I want to tell her that I've gone for a Chinese. So he goes to Chinese and we had to go with him and there's a telephone box outside. He's like, perfect, I've fallen out last. So he phones her, he's like, ah, pet. She's like, where the flipping hell are you? And he's like, I told you, I'm a Chinese. She's gone, where's your baby been gone a day and a half? Where are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm a Chinese, but, but I'm in fucking Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Chinese, I promise. <laughs> She's like, wow, oh, stands the phone down. He's like, oh, flipping hell. 
<laughs> we spent the week there, went back, they split up. Is he expecting that to just small yeah, it off? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've, not I've, got, I've got you some spare ribs, like you say. It might be a bit cold. It might be cold by the time I get back. Oh, good. I, have, I have gone for a Chinese for you, but it's just in Tenerife. Yeah. I know, and he, he thought that justified it. Bless him, bless him. But we were all sorts of scrapes down there. I'm still mates with like, a good few of the boys now. And with Justin Fashion. Um, so Justin came down to Torquay. And it was just at the time when he'd, he'd just come out, basically, that I don't know if he was the first openly gay footballer, mm. but he, he announced that he was gay. Um, and so he came down, he turned, we all like raggy ass rovers, like I say, and he turns up in a black. Jaguar XJS convertible and stuff, and he he's got these like big leather cowboy boots, and he's a good looking lad, like, and he's got the earring, diamond earrings and stuff. He's totally out of place in Torquay. We all turned up with like shell suits and stuff like that, and so Justin came on board and it, it, he mucked in with us. He was, like he did well. He was um, he was a handful. He was still a decent player, and there was just all a, a bit of a not carnival, but there was a lot of noise around Justin at the time because of who he was and him and his brother falling out and he'd announced that he's gay and stuff like this. But we, we got on pretty well. We got on well with most of the boys. But he, he picked um, myself and this other lad called Mark Loram, who was as talented as any player I played with at any level. Left-footed, unbelievable, but a bit wayward from a fishing village down in Brixham. Right? And all his mates are sea fishermen and uh, you, you can imagine what they're like. I can imagine they're a strange bunch. <clears throat> yeah, they, when, when they're socialised, they hit it quite hard as well. So it wasn't, again, ideal for football reasons. But Justin has said to us, like, he said, listen, lads, I'm going to be the first black manager of a professional football club. At the time, because he was sort of in with the chairman, albeit low-level Torquay. And they were like, oh, OK, right. He says, I want you two to lead the team for me. I want to build my team around you. I was like, right, okay. He says, uh, but I know you're not living right. I said, no, we're not. We're, like, we admitted that, but I, I lived on the row behind the high street, terraced houses. I bought a house, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know why, I got repossessed about it a year later. <laughs> <laughs> Still, whatever, oh. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I won't, I won't go there. A <laughs> hundred yards from my house was a pub called Macbeth's or The Dungeon. So you can imagine what sort of pub it was. It was full of jocks, scousers, brummies, manks, who had all had to leave for whatever reason and come down south, got out of the way a bit. Den of iniquity, shall we say, <laughs> to say the very least. And it was a great place. We could go out there on a Thursday. No one would scream on us because people know us around the town or whatever. But anyway, um, so Justin Fashion says to me and this Mark Laura, meet me for a coffee. And we were like, what? <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> we don't meet for coffees. He said, today you do. He said, we'll have a chat and we'll get on. And he said, we'll plan a way forward if you're up for it. And he said, and then after that, I'll come into your world for a bit. So we're like, all right then. Okay, that's the deal. So we had a chat. He's telling about what his plans are, what he's going to do. And he said, like, yeah, okay. It's about time we knuckled down. You're right. We're wasting our opportunities here. So then we take him into Macbeth. He says, I'll come into your world, right? And he just, mobile phones had just come out. He had massive brick one. He had all the mod cons and stuff. He walks into the pub. Like, yeah, 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 okay. Not Larry, but a bit flash. All the boys are in there. They're like, 
Who the fuck you know? <laughs> what was he doing in here? Like one of them. Did they know who we were? Yeah, the yeah they knew him, but he, they weren't bothered about the fact he'd come out being gay and stuff. It was just like, you know, he walked in with flash clothes and stuff and they were like spitting sawdust. So he was like, Fash, just turn it down a bit, turn it down. So he sits down and he has like a couple of pints of Guinness and stuff. And he's like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, Callie the Scally, who used to call him the Scouser, <laughs> walks in with a mate on a rail of uh, sheepskin coats, right? And we're like, where'd you get them? And he's like, oh, don't worry, don't worry about that. You don't need to know, you don't need to know. He's like, do you want one? And I was like, no, no, you're right. Asked Fash if he wanted one. He went, oh, look at my size there. He tries it on. He's like, perfect, perfect. That looks good on you, Fash. How much? 20 quid, something like that, right? Worth 80. So it was one of them. It was obviously knocked off. So we're like that, okay. And Fash goes, oh, I like the coat. Hey, interesting, this pub, isn't it? He had two pints of Guinness. He said, I've got to go because I'm doing a community event at Clennam Valley, um, which was like a community centre. He said, I've got to go and do something on, on the TV, local TSW, Television Southwest. He said, I'll see you later, boys. He said, and then tomorrow, we knuckle down, we get on with your careers and our careers. He was like, yeah, okay, deal, deal. So like that, me and my mate stays with the Jocks and Scousers and that, with a couple more Guinnesses. And then all of a sudden it flashes up on the, um, on the telly in the pub. Today, uh, police are investigating a robbery from a warehouse where 1,000 sheepskin coats were, <laughs> were stolen, right? And um, they're on the lookout for the offenders, etc. If you have any information, please phone in and dial this number, whatever. So I'm like, flipping out. It's like the lads all like, oh, in the pub, <laughs> like that. I, like, I knew they were nicked. I didn't know they were like red hot nicked. <laughs> and Fash has just walked off with that, that one of the coats. And he's like, and he was being a bit naive. So like that, so that was on, that was the second last item on the news program on telly. And then the presenter says, and for our final item, he said, we're going to beam over to Clennam Valley Leisure Centre uh, where Justin Fashioner is presenting awards in, for the community. And it turns out we're like, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Sat there, the whole pub went quiet. And here it is, turns up, Fash is there, clear as day, and his massive shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like, oh, Jesus, he's going to kill us. <laughs> the timing of it, you can it. It was like, only fools and horses. <laughs> like, in reality, like, Oh, mate, he's going to hammer us tomorrow. <laughs> we're, well, we might as well enjoy this night. So we made the most of the night, went in training the next day, and he just, yeah, fucking wasters. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh. <laughs> actually, forget the whole idea. <laughs> was that his last trip to Macbeth's? Yeah, yeah oh, yeah, first and last, mate, first and last. <laughs> did you ever see the jacket again? Oh, you think he might discard no, it? No, he did. Because, well, we wondered, we thought maybe he wouldn't, Realise it, but someone had obviously told him, Where'd you get that sheepskin coat? Because they'd heard it themselves. Like, he, oh, we was hoping he wouldn't have got the word, but oh dear. Yeah, it was, it was mad how you could, how the scenario panned out. It was so funny. But Did he ever get the job? No. No, he didn't. He, no, he, it, was, it was strange. And he, he just disappeared, really. He went off to America and then ended up, obviously, a little tragic outcome, but. Very sad, very sad, but um, some funny times with him. He, he, was, he was right, he was a good lad, to be fair. He was a good lad. And at that point, are you just focused 
week to week, day to day, just enjoying yourself, playing football, yeah. aspirations to to get back to to the top end. I was too busy. I was too distracted. All of us, yeah. all of us down there. <laughs> we playing we, well, though. Pardon? Were you playing well? Were you doing all for right? For a while. For a while, I was all right. I was, you know, one of the... I was like, I don't know, not that it matters that much, but like top paid. I nearly went to Swansea one time, you know, which would have been a step up. I don't know why I didn't go. I can't remember why I didn't go, but I think it was the lure of talking was a better night out than Swansea. <laughs> 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 it was literally like that. But I was like I say, we had some good players and I was playing well for a bit, but then it started going the other way. And all of a sudden I'd gone from probably one of the best players and all of a sudden I would start finding myself on the bench sometimes. I was like, what am I doing now? What's going on? This shouldn't be happening. And then I sort of knuckled down a little bit, really. And out of the blue, Scunfort came in for me on loan. I don't know how, because I wasn't playing that well. And I thought, Do you know what? Yeah, it was a total contrast to Torquay. Totally different place. And I'd, I thought, right, I'm just going to go. Yeah, because I'm wasting myself. I was like 22. Without a decision from, do you know what? I could probably do with getting away from Tom. Yeah, conscious in the end. Yeah, because it was, it was only going one way. Yeah, yeah. And I'd seen a few other lads go that way in my time at the club. And then I thought, hang on, get your head screwed on. Just, you've got an opportunity, you've got a chance here to make a living Fresh playing start, football. Yeah. yeah, and see how it goes. But um, so that was it. Yeah, I just went, I, I was still, I was 22. And, and I was, went back in digs again. That's come for. Still quite immature, really, and stuff. But yeah, I just to be fair, there wasn't a lot else to do in Scum for, yeah. other than play football. Henry Africa's was all right. I don't know. There, <laughs> I don't know still, yeah. You can tell what sort of place that was. <laughs> that was the only establishment that was worth visiting, really, in Scum for, from what I remember. So a lot of time, naturally focused on football. So you did knuckle down when you were there? To a degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as much as I should, but certainly compared to the Torquay days, yeah. You must have been doing all right for Oxford to pay 150 grand. Yeah, it was... Ugh, even that, I nearly messed up. Uh, and Oxford, were, were Oxford in the championship? Oxford a championship were, now? Yes, yeah, what well, is now the championship, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was I was playing well for Scumford, as well as I could anyway, put it that way. And then it was my birthday on the Saturday. And then I'm sure it was like a Monday or a Tuesday. We had a game pretty soon afterwards. For some reason, I think it was a Monday. But I should have stayed in on a Saturday, but I didn't. It was my birthday. And overindulged a little bit. Then the game came round pretty quick. In the day before, it was in the local papers about all the scouts and teams that were coming, primarily to watch me, supposedly. I was like, oh, bad timing. Because it's Saturday, <laughs> Monday. It's like, oh, this could have worked out better. You sound a lot they like me. They should have looked from the old date of birth for the, oh, it's his birthday on Saturday. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Should we leave it a week? Yes. Yeah. Leave it a week. If they did their homework. <laughs> it's their fault, isn't it? <clears throat> but there was like, big teams, Leeds, Liverpool, Newcastle. Kenny Dalglish was there and stuff like this. And I'd already been told that they were going as well. It was like, a bit bizarre for whatever reason. Martin O'Neill went, which I didn't know about at the time. And Dennis Smith went, um, who was then Oxford manager with Malcolm Crosby. But then I had the worst game of my career, like literally, absolutely useless. And all these, all these different managers, like I found out subsequently, Martin O'Neill said, he just came to watch the game anyway, apparently, because he was Wickham manager and they were playing Doncaster or something. And he found out that Dow Deese was there. He said, oh, people raving about this centre-half. He said that. He's absolutely woeful. Like, <laughs> he, he said, hey, you, you were horrendous. <laughs> like, put, must have put everyone off, which it did. 
And Malcolm Crosby said to Dennis Smith at the time, he went, well, that's that then, Dennis. He said, like, you won't sign him, will you? And he went, no, I still want to sign him. And Crosby said to him, he was like, I know we're mates and that, but like, come on. Like, <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Are you having a laugh or what? He said, like, he's absolutely useless. If he can play that bad, he's got that in the locker. You can't sign him and trust him. Dennis went, no, I've seen him. So I got a phone call the next morning from Richard Money, who was the manager at Scunthorpe. He phoned me and I thought I was going to get bollocking. I thought he was going to call me. Uh, he said, like, come in to the office and see me. He said, do you want the good news? And I said, go on then, yeah. He went, someone's coming for you, believe it or not. <laughs> he said, but do you want the bad news? He's, no disrespect to Oxford, but he pulled out the paper from the day before and he had Newcastle, Liverpool, Leeds, and all this. He went, it's not Newcastle, it's not Liverpool, it's not Leeds. He went through this list of about 10 clubs, he went, it's Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, all right. I put it up, sounds a bit harsh. Mini deflated as well. Because he said that like, someone's come in for you. I thought, oh, flip it. No, no. Yeah, Oxford, I was well happy to go there, don't get me wrong. But like when you see those other clubs, <laughs> and Richard Money said to me, he said, I've never seen anyone so disappointed to get a big move, sort of thing. But, well, not a big move, but a, a step forward. And uh, that was it. And then I was off down to Oxford before you know it, and on the back of the worst performance in my career. Now, we've heard about uh, Oxford and a certain initiation process. <laughs> is, is it, can, we, can we shed any light on it? Is it yeah. It's never been spoken. Dean Windus brought this up on a live, a live show. show. Yeah, of course, yeah. But he never spoke about it on the podcast, so right. it's the first time listening to the Lurdy, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I came down to Oxford, um, first day training, and it, uh, there was a goalkeeper called Phil Whitehead, who's from um, Barnsley Way. And I knew him. We played at Scunthorpe together. And Phil... He's like, he likes a night out, shall we say, Phil. So we were sort of buddies at Scunthorpe. And then, so we go training in this local park. And uh, just there, and Dennis Smith's, the lads go and warm up and stuff. And then I'm, I'm warming up alongside Phil Whitehead. And you see, out of the corner of the eye, you see this big, solidly built, burly, hair everywhere, grey, sweeping hair everywhere. And he looks a bit dishevelled. This bloke walking in the, in the park like that, and he's got a big, like two litre bottle of wine in his hand, like Lambrini or something. Right? And I said to Phil Whitehead, I said, Phil, looks like he's been out with you last night. <laughs> <laughs> one of your mates, uh, just getting home. And he was like, oh, he didn't really say anything. Right? And I thought, that's a bit weird, because normally we have a bit of a giggle. I just left it. Anyway, so we, we did a lap of the, uh, the park, and then we're just standing there stretching. I'm in the middle, all of a sudden this, this fella comes over. He's like, he's like pirate looking, drunkard, you know, like trampy looking fella. And um, looks rough and ready. And he comes in with a bottle of wine. And I'm in the middle of all the lads as we're stretching. And all of a sudden, he's just targeting me. You know, you can just see him, he's just coming at me. He's going, where's that, Elliot? Like his gruff voice and grumbling sort of thing. I like, couldn't even work out what he was saying. I was like, you say, fucking Elliot, where is he? And then the boys are just sort of like edged out. Parted. All of a sudden I'm on my own. Yeah. And it's like that. And he went, yeah, you fucking bastard. You're getting at you. But he's coming at me. He starts swinging the bottle right at me. And he's quite an imposing physical fella. So it looks rough as houses. And he starts swinging it. And I thought, I'm going to be brave here. So a little bit of thought process in the head. I thought, I don't want to show any weakness to the lads because I'm new signing and that. And also, so I didn't move. And he's just gone up to me and threatened to do it. And I said, well, he's not, he's not going to do anything with that bottle. So that's his, his pride and joy, that bottle of wine. 
He got spilled a drop. Yeah, he needs that. If it was a you know, if it was a stick or something or a log, <laughs> different matter. He's not throwing that wine. So I was like, I was quite impressed with my own thinking. I was like, the boy's like, mm. that's it. He ain't going to do nothing with that. He's full of it. And then he's thrown the bottle of wine, which surprised it. And then he's gone, right, you bastard. I opened his jacket up, pulled out a gun, <laughs> right? a revolver proper. I'm guessing it was a, a fake, but it looked real enough to me. With that, my courage just went out of the window. <laughs> Fastest I've ever run in my life. Fucking let me through, climbing through the lads, throwing them out of the way. And then I, then I got about 30 yards away, and all of a sudden they could hear the lads like laughing. Hey, that, that was a bit weird as we looked around. Terry was standing with them. Dropped the gun, dropped the wine, he's like with them. And they were jogged over to me and he said, Name's Terry Gordon, welcome to Oxford United. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Bastard, bastard, dummy, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was like, a ten of the dozen, oh, Jesus. But he did it to every player, the different levels. And it was like, he did the same, exactly the same thing to Malcolm Crosby before I was there. But they relayed it, the story, but it's basically pretty much the same, just assistant manager. But instead of just running off, Crozzo, we used to call him, was running in zigzags over the hill. <laughs> he just disappeared over the horizon. <laughs> it gets a shot. It's more difficult to get a shot. <laughs> Run for your lives. Yeah, You'd just be giddy, wouldn't you, getting in the morning knowing you've got a new signing? Yeah. yeah, knowing that it's coming. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> he, he, got, he got most of the lads. Like Jimmy Carter. Do you remember Jimmy Carter played for Millwall, Arsenal, Liverpool? Yeah. He came to Oxford on loan. Jimmy's like, He's, a, he's a, an interesting character, though. He's a funny boy, to be fair. But he was living in London. And he, he was you know, used to play a bit higher level than us, you know, Liverpool's and Arsenal's and stuff. And he turned up in his Range Rover and all this. Good lad, though. But Terry got in at the manor at the training ground. Uh, sorry, at the, the actual stadium. Chased him out of the, uh, the changing room onto the pitch. And then he's ch Terry's chasing Jimmy Carter around the pitch. Terry's never going to catch Jimmy. Jimmy's like, oh, whip it. But he's just, it was like a scene from Life of Brian, you know, with the gladiator. <laughs> he's, like he's just chasing him like that. And then Jimmy's done a lap, gone back down the tunnel, jumped in his car, back down on the M40 and phoned the police. He's going, he thought it was a genuine, like, lunatic on the loose. <laughs> he's going to be, I'd like to report. Um, oh it's a, a madman on the loose at the Manor Football Ground, Oxford United. But he, he, well, he probably got nicked himself because he was driving talking on the phone while he's down the motorway. He drove all the way home back to St Albans or something and just disappeared. Didn't see him for a couple of days, training and stuff. And just crazy how, how it used to go on. Some of them were, some of them were brilliant. There, there was one, I hesitate to say this, but I, I won't name names, but we, one of the lads went out, he, he'd not long been at the club, went out and got involved with a girl. Um, but the girl was, she wasn't young, but she looked younger than she was. Next day at training, the lad that I'm on about is in the shower after training. And Terry's come in. He's like, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him. I said, oh, I've got some info for you. I said, he was, he was with, with a girl last night. And <laughs> she looked younger than she was. I said, but like, it could be a bit debatable. And he was like, perfect, that'll do, that'll do. <laughs> so perfect. He's, so he's in the shower, this the lad. And it, Terry's called him, he's banging on the walls and stuff, going, where is he? Where is he? And my daughter. I said, I'm gonna kill them. It's like making all these noises. So I've gone in and said, such and such, I think you need to come out here. There's someone who wants to speak to you. So the players come out just with a towel around his waist like that, right? 
And Terry's going, outside, outside. He said, I want to talk to you in the tunnel at the manor football ground. The changing rooms are just right there, either side of the tunnel. He comes out. He, so he's standing there with his towel soaking wet and his lad's either side, but he's too focused, he's too bothered. He, he's having a go at him. Um, hasn't got the bottle. He's just saying, I'm going to kill you. Okay? You soiled my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> my, my one true love in this world. <laughs> and you've you've ruined her. Like this. Terry laying it on a bit thick. This lad's going, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. I swear, I didn't do anything. He went, don't give me that. He's going, I know you did. She's told me everything. You're in big trouble. So. <laughs> like, I promise I didn't do anything. And then Terry went, prepare to die. So, <laughs> right? Pulled the gun out of his, his coat. Pulled the gun out. He went, put your fucking hands up, son. And he's got very he's only got towel naked. He went, <laughs> <laughs> dropped the towel, and he went, okay, okay, I kissed her. <laughs> he went, I knew you did. You bastard. He, went, he said, well, it's neither here nor there because um, just like to welcome you to Oxford United. How you doing? All right. Focus like that. He went, oh, and he worked out. It was me who told Terry. He just went, Elliot, you bastard. <laughs> so, we were in fits. Yeah, he's there naked. Like, I kissed her. I kissed her. <laughs> Oh dear. Did it a bit borderline go, story to be fair, but did it ever go too far? When was it? Did you well, see many? It that? actually did, yeah, because Terry did it to numerous players, like for before and after my time at, at Oxford. But um there was a lad called Paul Tate who signed from Birmingham to Oxford. Bit of a lively character by all accounts. And Terry did something similar to him at the training ground. But they happened to be training next to a golf club. I'm only saying this is sort of second hand from reports from the lads. But Paul Tate's head went, he was offended by it. And they tried to calm him down apparently, but he'd already gone into the golf club and he'd, he'd gone into the club shop and taken a club out. Someone just whipped it out of the bag, like a seven <laughs> iron or something, and came back raging like, in, his, in, his, in his grip was this seven iron. He's going, hey, I think you're brave, do you? Now you fancy a bit of this. And the lads are like, it's only a joke, Paul, it's only a joke. And I think he got the gist of it, but he was that far gone. He, he, he just you know, couldn't switch off. It was like, well, he's getting it anyway. Like, thinks it's funny, yeah? <laughs> it's one of them, he's gone to smack him across, but like, Terry's blocked it, apparently. And uh, they broke his arm, broke his arm. So it was like a fair old force going on. And then there was a bit of hassle about that afterwards. And Terry's son wasn't too happy with Paul Tate, blah, blah, blah. And, and it all came to a to a climax then. That was it, really. <laughs> just like, just just stop trying to knock you on the head, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't good to be put his arm on point. He would have got a, yeah, a knock he, he used to do all sorts of things. Terry. What was his job title, did you say? What was he? I, I don't know. Some people, <laughs> some people said he was a window cleaner. Um, which, I don't know. He, he was in the Amateur Dramatic Society, apparently. Full-time window cleaner, part-time <laughs> thespian. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't rightly know, but I knew him for years. Yeah, he, he was a, an interesting character. Yeah, the best yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was good. There, there were loads of others that was a similar thing, but yeah, he was a funny boy. <laughs> <laughs> a few people were asking about Dennis Smith. Was he yeah. a character manager there? Um, really nice fella. Like, total contrast to probably his image as a player. Yeah. Like, he reportedly, and I've seen evidence of it, and in football terms, it's like hard as nails, like yeah. in terms of how he, he, he used to say to us, he was soft, modern day footballers, we were modern day back then. He's like, it's only pain. 
stuff like that. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, but he, he, he notoriously like played once, didn't he, with a broken leg and carried on, but obviously not compound fracture, but like a crack of the tib or whatever. I don't know. But he broken. It was like evil can evil of football, broken every bone <laughs> in his body. Near enough, like, but he was a real nice fellow. He wasn't like you know, didn't talk down to you as if to say, you know. Your weak characters or whatever. He was, he, but then Dennis. But then his aggressive nature would come out. We we trained one day. We were having a bit of a bad, bad trot of results. And Dennis joined in. He said, oh, "There's no fire in your bellies or whatever." And he was playing against. He joined in young v old or whatever. A lad called Matt Murphy who was on the edges of the team, fanning around with the ball a bit. Dennis just cut right through it. Sived him in half. Two footed. Spun him up in the air and he's been face down <laughs> in the dirt like that. And joining like, on a sort Friday. It's all the pain. Yeah. And he's like, ah. Oh, he's like moaning and shrieking a bit. And Dennis like, I'll give you something to moan about, son. And he's like, kind of, he's got his face in the floor. He's like, fucking, fucking, <laughs> fucking toughen up. He's a soft bastard. And we're like, shit, that's the manager on a Friday morning. <clears throat> but, um, but such a nice fella off the pitch, but a bit of a Walshy factor. <laughs> Lovely fella. Did it do him good? Murphy, did it did it toughen them up? Uh, <laughs> I hope for six months. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about that particular instance though. I'd, uh, it was just it happened to be Matt Murphy. It wasn't that he wasn't. Tough. It was just all oh, uh, right. That's who it happened to be. That's where the, the ball was. Yeah, it wasn't just him. Could have been me. Whoever. Dennis was just making a point. Quick break, gentlemen, for our sponsors of this week's episode. Bit fifty-two. One of his favourites, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Sun, sun's coming out in the garden. Barbecue season, Chris. Yes. What better way to spend your time in the garden than with some stupendous... Get yourself... Craft ales. A hopical storm down oh, your neck. They're my favourite month, storm. this. Have a taste. Because it's Yorkshire month, John. Perfect. It's Yorkshire Ed. month. Mm. Give us a drag. Oh, good. Very good. If you're not aware of Beer 52, it's the number one craft beer club every month. New box. They're curated from around the world. But uh, this month, Yorkshire. This one, this month is the best. Drop what you Ferment get? magazine. Ferment magazine. You get a, a magazine giving you all the ins and outs of the beers, where they've come from, what's gone in them, and a bit of uh, local information as well, where they come from. Snacks. Don't get started on the snacks. Oh, that is totally that. free of charge. Not uh, no, I'm not. I've not finished yet, John. Oh, sorry. Because you're not just getting everything that we've just mentioned in your eight beers for free. You're getting ten beers for free. Two extras with the under-the-cosh offer. See, that's what we like from Yorkshire. I was going to that kind that we'll get an extra couple. Go to www.beer52.com slash kosh and just pay the £5.95 postage. If, like John, you don't like the dark ones, what do they do, Chris? Oh, just t- let them know. Just saying you like beers. Because some people like you. I do. I, I can drink... I can drink that ones, but I enjoy prefer, the light ones more. So if you prefer them, then you might as well get a, get all ten light, aren't you? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to like all ten. Exactly. Then. So all you got to do, tell them they'll just send you light ones. And if after a bit you want to pause or you want to cancel, just let them know. Just like that. Like I said, on efficient. Your yeah. All you got to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash kosh. Can you remember much about um, Carroll Road when Bellamy got sent off? That was uh, that was quite comical actually. Yeah, it was a feisty feisty game, and um, yeah, no, I think like two or three people got sent off or something. It was David Rush. You remember they called David Rush? Yeah. His nickname was Illness. <laughs> <laughs> Sunland, Sunland lad. Sunland, yeah. 
So Russ is lively. We played the game, a bit feisty, a couple of people sent off. And at the end of it, it was a massive like set to in the tunnel. Bellamy's stirring up, whatever. Rushy was saying his piece, and we were getting involved a bit. Our, our captain, Oxford, was a lad called Mike Ford, whose nickname was Busy, because he was always at people, fining and stuff, right? And he was popular, but unpopular at the same time. He could wind you up a bit, so he got involved a little bit. And Brian Gunn, the goalkeeper, the Scottish goalkeeper, he's got hold of 40 in the tunnel and opened like a side wardrobe, wardrobe door, cupboard door, and piled him in there and shut the door and was like, yeah, go on in. <laughs> go on in. Do your best, go on in. Yeah, he needs one. <laughs> he needs a couple of digs. You can hear he's like, boom, 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 the cupboard. Going on, the arguments going on, pushing the shoving and everything. Rushy, Dave Rushy, he wants to get involved scrapping and stuff and a couple of the others. But then out of nowhere come Adi Akinbae, who whips his top off. Adi was playing, jumped in the front of us and he's like tensed his muscles like that. Went, Who's having it then? <laughs> roaring it. We're like, not us. <laughs> We're like, time to call it quits. Like that. Forty, come, come out the wardrobe, Forty. I'll sit up. Yeah, someone wants to meet you. Come on, it's on time. Leave him alone, Brian. Now that's enough. That's enough. But Andy just started putting into it because even Rusty, Rusty's slightly tapped, and he looks at Andy and he was like, "No, I don't fancy that." <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit of a kerfuffle, shall we say? <laughs> you might like this one. Ask him about the postcard sent to Phil Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny where these things come up from. How people know about it, really. But, um, yeah, that, that was... So we got promoted. We were playing with Oxford. We were having a bit of a struggle. And then we played... We were in the playoff position, but we played Blackpool at the time, who was managed by Sam Allardyce. And Phil Brown was assistant. Um, they were going well. Blackpool, they were like 11 points ahead of us with like 10 games to go or something like that. So it looked nailed on, it would be Blackpool and Swindon that go up, possibly Oxford, one of the playoff teams. And um, Phil Brown apparently said to Malcolm Crosby before the, no, after the game, we beat them 3-0, right? Which was a bit of a surprise, even to us. Joey Beecham got a great goal from like 30 yards. I think it was 3-0, 3-1 possibly. And then Phil Brown said to Malcolm Crosby afterwards, he says, oh, yeah, good performance from you today. He said, you're a good little side, aren't you? He said, I fancy you in the playoffs to get up. And because it was like, all right, and there's still nine games to go. And we were just like beating them 3-0. And Crosby told us, and it wasn't because of that, but then we went on a mad run. We won like eight out of nine, and they lost seven out of nine. They just like dipped. They just fell off the face of the earth. We got promoted automatically. Chairman paid for us to go away, went to Magaloo for the week, but Fordy, busy, the captain, he'd taken note of this thing and he sent a postcard from, uh, from Magaloo to Phil Brown, care of Blackpool Football Club. I feel we fancy you in the playoffs. <laughs> All the very best, the Oxford United lads. <laughs> and it didn't go down too well, apparently. But, and then they didn't get promoted either. I think they messed up in the playoffs as well. So it was uh, caused even a bit more friction. Phil Brown was maybe not in a big headed way, but he was just assuming that, they were that gonna was going to happen. Yeah, and we're like, well, you never count your chickens, do you? Yeah. But, it backfired on Perfect him. for you was the winner. For the for Crosby to come to you straight away and yeah, listen exactly. to yeah, exactly. he's just fucking... Firing the bellow. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but 
it just happened that way anyway. But yeah, that was sort of extra incentive, shall we say. So it was a good times at Oxford generally, but there was one, one little one, Christmas do was quite an occasion. One time, you know, you do fancy dress and all that, but one time we did it, a lad called Mickey Lewis, uh, again, sadly passed away, tragically at 50, age of 55, only a couple of years ago. Great lad, Mickey, but he instigated it. But what we had to do was cowboys and Indians. So you just drew your lot out of the box, whatever, the 12 of each, whatever the squad size was, 12 cowboys, 12 Indians. So you get it a couple of days before, so you've got to sort an outfit out for the Christmas do. So we train, all get dressed up, walks down the bottom of the, the, the approach road at the manor, you know, the manor, Oxford United's ground, down there, and there's a, a main road down into town, and the bus turns up, we're all standing there, 12 cowboys, 12 Indians, right? Had a couple <laughs> of drinks in the clubhouse, bus pulls up, and we all pile on. We said, like, into town to the driver, and there's about five or six people on the bus. He said, no, I'm, I'm not going that way, I'm going Headington Way, whatever, which is like, a diversion, we went, today you're going to town, mate. <laughs> He's like, you are, take him down to town, come on, otherwise we're gonna, basically we're gonna hijack this bus anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got, he looked around, but the people who were sat there, you know, like a, a mother and a son sat there and an older fellow, said, is that all right with you guys? And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so we just hijacked the, the bus, went down to this first pub at the start of town. We all just went partying in this pub. So the locals were in there. We knew a few of them anyway. There's about 20 people in there and us 24 or whatever. But the funny thing was we sat like this, having a drink and a beer, but it might be like two Indians, two cowboys. <laughs> but Mickey Lewis, he was the instigator. He had an arrow. He was dressed as an Indian. He had an arrow. And once he, if he threw that arrow in the air, it was the, was the sign for mayhem to ensue and basically all beat each other up start scrapping and rolling around the pub the cowboys will fight the indians <clears throat> so you'd be sitting out having a beer and he might look around and talk to someone and all of a sudden you just see this arrow fly up and he just go dink <laughs> <laughs> not full force you know what I mean? it was like clipping them and then uh, as you you know if i'm an indian hitting the cowboy you're another cow you come and rugby tackle me <laughs> rolling down there's beers going everywhere and the locals are standing there going what's going on then it would like Simmer down, another 20 minutes, next week, arrow goes again, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos. Chaos. Just as cowboys and Indians. Yeah, right. just, just walk in. The stupidness of it, yeah, exactly. Going for just, a quiet drink with you, why? Yeah. <laughs> okay, corral. <laughs> yeah, it was only like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, poor man. When you heard that Leicester were interested, were there, were there other clubs as well? Yeah, yeah, perhaps supposedly so. A few different clubs. Didn't happen, and I thought my chance had gone. And all of a sudden, comes out Leicester interested, um, Southampton as well. Uh, Graham Soonis was the manager then. And then also Harry Bassett at Crystal Palace as well, supposedly. But pa Palace were only, say only, in the championship at the time. So obviously if I could, I wanted to go Premier League. But Oxford didn't want me to go. They actually... <laughs> The chairman actually like, offered me a new contract and wanted to double my wages. And I was one of the top, well, I think I was top paid anyway, but he wanted yeah. to double my wages. I was like, oh, so thank you very much. Like, you know, I'm honoured, flattered that you think that, but I actually got to the degree that I, I just needed to go. I was 28, it was yeah. now or never. If I was 24, maybe, you, you wait until another time, yeah. but even then, 
you know, unfortunately you have to look after yourself, don't yeah. you? Were they getting anywhere near what these clubs were offering you? And when they said the, the doubles? Well, the that's the thing. Money? Oxford doubling what I was on would have been, it was half what I ended up getting at Leicester initially anyway. They've got to half understand that then, haven't they? Yeah, so you know I mean? you know, finances didn't even add up. So I was available if a price was agreed at 1.6 million pound. Don't sound a lot these days, does it? But it was a club record actually for Leicester or Southampton at the time, surprisingly. So the both Southampton and Leicester both offered the same? Yeah, apparently. Did you go and speak to them both? Yeah, I did, yeah. Uh, that was contrast of uh, experiences, really. It was, uh, I was talking with Martin and Neil the other night, actually. We, we had to do a, an event together. But um, Martin was manager of Leicester. They just played Southampton in the early rounds of the League Cup, Coca-Cola Cup, as it was. And then, But he'd, he'd heard that I was going down to see Grand Tunis at Southampton the next day. But he wanted to speak to me before then. So he left after the game, 10 o'clock at night, said, I'll meet you at the M40 services um, at 11 o'clock at night. So he made the effort, you know, like he, was, yeah. he turned up with the chairman, Tom Smeet, and John Robertson, his coach, his assistant manager, sorry, and Steve Wolfe, the coach, all four of them turned up, 11 o'clock services, blah, blah, blah. We really want you to sign, et cetera, et cetera. We'd love to have you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he was like highly impressive. But I said that out of politeness and respect, I've already said I'll go and see Graham Soonis. So I travelled down there the next day, but then got down to see meet Soonis, and he was just there on his own. And I was like, hello, Neil, nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, and you? He said, uh, basically, along the lines of, I'd strongly reconsider signing down here, if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> As a manager, yeah, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was thinking, this is weird, because I'm quite sort of sort of a big name and everything, isn't he? I was looking forward to meeting him as well. You don't want to come here. Basically, it was that. It was that, because I was like, why, why are you putting things across like that? I, was, I didn't expect this to be the sort of topic of a conversation. And he was like, well, what sort of club brings in a record signing and the chairman and the chief exec can't be asked to turn up? He said, oh, you don't want to be playing for a club like that, do you? He obviously don't think you're that important. I was like, this is weird. The manager's telling me. He wanted me to sign. He, he, was, he said, yeah, I rate you as a player. I've watched you, stuff, but I, if you've got other options, I would think about it strongly. <laughs> <laughs> and he started just telling me about his Anfield club, you know, back in the day when he used to go out, the Tuesday club and all that or whatever. <laughs> Nothing to do with football whatsoever. And I walked out of there just scratching my head a bit. It was like, that was strange. <laughs> was he at Southampton much longer? No, a week. Think <laughs> a week, yeah. Good shout, yeah. He went to Torino. Right. Left, I was like, thank God I didn't sign. He was basically telling me. Yeah. He was clearing the decks. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know why he bothered me going down there, really. Ah, fair play to him, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, well you know done. I mean? Well yeah. done. Yeah, I've, I've met him a couple of times since. You know. So, no, I didn't take it in offence at him. Yeah. I didn't take it badly. He's actually done me a favour. Yeah. Done me a favour, yeah. <laughs> but signing for Martin was the right thing, anyway. He was like, you probably hear different views on Martin, but like some players, myself included, like, absolutely love him to bits. Other players clash with him. He can be one or the other, Martin. But uh, why would you clash with him? What what type of character would you have, would I have to be to clash with him? Do you think? He, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say why. Like, he had a love hate relationship with Steve Walsh. You mentioned, or also, also tags to a to a degree. Even though they got closer, it, it sort of challenges players sometimes. Sometimes players take it a bit as a, oh, was he picking on me? Is he? 
but he's just testing them out, really. Seeing how Trying to get the best out. Yeah. He would, he would challenge certain players. Steve Guppy, for instance, he would absolutely look after him all the time. You know, Steve could play horrendously badly and he'd still be man of the match in Martin's eyes. After the game, you know, we'd lose 3 0. He used to call us Tomahawks, Martin and Neil, right? rather than swear sometimes. Go, you. you. Tomahawk. <laughs> if you think of a word, you don't want to swear. What's coming to his <laughs> He's trying to tell us off, and we just start giggling. Like, Tomahawk, where's that come from? <laughs> but he'd come raging in, like, ranting and raving. He said, Ah, oh, you Tomahawks, whatever. You had three nil, you've let yourselves down. And, Not you, Stevie. Stevie Guppy, you were magnificent. Because <laughs> <laughs> Guppy's was quiet. Um, what would you say? He needs encouragement all yeah. the time. We used to call him Nervous Norris. <laughs> And he's there, he'd be like, oh, thanks, Gaffer, Gaffer. Magnificent, so <laughs> he'll be playing the next 10 games. Don't you worry about that. And he was the worst player on the pitch. <laughs> and like, same, people like Tags, Tags would be like, well, hang on a minute, I'm not having that. And Tags would pipe up and say something, and Martin will, that's it, he'd clash. But then he'll get over it, he'll calm down. Him, him and Neil Lennon, I mean, Martin slapped Neil Lennon around the face once in the change room. They were having a heated argument, difference of opinions. And Martin, they're face to face like that. Lenny's pretty feisty as well. And Martin just boom, slapped him with like, oh, this could go <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> Pop God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But Lenny, Lenny took it, to be fair, and it simmered down. And then Martin, 30 seconds later, apologised. said, ah, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I do apologise. But he did it in front of everyone. Anyway, we'll move on, yeah? That was it. Done. Done and dusted. But Would he test you? No, most of the time... I was like, it sounds a bit cheesy to say, lads used to say I was one of his favourites. Me, Guppy, Muzzy, Muzzy is it, and Neil Lennon, depends what mood was in. <laughs> they, they clashed, but they got on as well. Um, so I got, I avoided the wrath most of the time, but he could absolutely crucify you if he wanted to. Like, there was one, one instant, there was a few instances, but like I played against Crystal Palace one time, Tuesday night, I had a stinker first half just one of those nights but then Martin comes in half time I thought oh, I've let him down I, I, I have played poorly here and he's like Matty you've been magnificent since you signed for this club 1.6 million pounds I paid for you you're worth every penny up to now but tonight I wouldn't pay one pound six now get your kit off and get showered because you're coming off. <laughs> I was like, oh, kill me. Now that, you know, it was bad. I didn't need reinforcing that I was horrendous. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely smashed me to bits, basically. But then it made me determine not to repeat that on Saturday. I was back playing again Saturday. I thought, that ain't happening again. In the changing rooms is when he comes to his, in his element, really. It's, it's, it's hilarious at times. On a match day. Yeah, hilarious at times. It's scary at others. But he used to pick the team. He wouldn't name the team until about half past one. We didn't know on a Friday. I think part of the reason was to stop us going, certain players going out on a Friday night, maybe. I don't know. But again, it was keeping you on your toes. You didn't know. So you prepared properly, even if you thought you even had a chance. So he'd name the team half past one. He pulled me in one time, playing Chelsea. And literally half past one, he says, uh, Matty, I want to speak to you. John Robertson said to me, he sends me into the gaffer's office, and he said, Maddie, um, will you do a job for me today? I was like, yeah, I'll do whatever you say, gaffer. Like, he went, will you play up front for me today? And I was like, 
<laughs> There'd be no talk of it, like no practice through the week or, I you know, I'd never had a chance to develop a partnership with anyone or whatever. He said, yeah, you play up front. I was like, oh, yeah, sounds good, sounds good. <laughs> he said, don't worry about it. He said, just give it your best shot. He said, there's nothing to worry about. You're only up against the World Cup winning central defensive pairing of Desire and Le <laughs> 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 I was like... That just dawned on me. Then. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Not only am I playing up front, I'm playing. They just won the World Cup about four months before. Did you did you get on with the the lads in that Leicester squad? Yeah. straight away. Yeah, um, yeah, we had a great mix. Great mix to be fair. Like quite diverse characters. Yeah. Um, all sorts of scrag ends there. Ian Marshall talk about his scruffy appearance on the pit. Steve Claridge. You know, like waifs and strays of the Premier League almost, or of the Football League, some of us. We socialised really well at the right time with like trips away. Martin would always take us away. If we was in a cup final or something, he'd take us away 10 days before and we'd go for six days. And hardly train, to be fair. We were, uh, we were holiday, <laughs> holidaying. We weren't preparing and we were feeling a bit jaded by the time we came back. But it's something Brian Clough used to do with Knott's Forest, yeah, apparently. Yeah. We did it quite regularly to the point where we actually like, we need to go home. But Mark and I got a couple more days. But he trusted us and we, we, we well, most of the time we didn't let him down, but he's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a real sort of melting pot of different characters, but it worked. We had some, we had good fun. Good. Was it, sorry, Mark, was yeah. it uh, tags that rang O'Neill from when you was at He didn't go on the trip, O'Neill, and he, no, he, he Marshall called him. Was it Marshall? Marshall called him, yeah. But I let you on about the manga when Stan Collinmore got involved with the fire extinguishers and stuff. And the reason I don't know totally what went on is because I didn't go on that trip either because my wife at the time was heavily pregnant and she was having a few issues. So I had a bit of a delay and I was going with Martin. Martin was going a day later to the manga and all the boys had gone over. John Robertson, Steve Orford looking after them. Things have gone a bit haywire. This is before the League Cup final? Yes, it would have been. It would have been, actually, because my son was actually due to be born on the day of the Cup final. So that would have tied in. Um, yeah, so they all got, I was in the car with Martin at the training ground, and he's gone, Maddie, put your suitcase in the boot. I'll be with you in a minute. Next minute, his phone goes. Half hour later, he's on the phone pacing up and down. And he's like, see his face turning into thunder. And he's like, Maddie. Take your suitcase out the book. <laughs> had you heard anything? Like, had any of the no, lads no, like, had a text or anything? No, they'd literally flown the morning before, the day before. Gone, got there, landed, bang, straight out. Things had gone wrong. Uh, there's a couple of scuffles and stuff, and stands there, like, the fire extinguishers just covered the whole room. It was one of those, like, where all the cloud dust comes out. You see, like, there was a bald, we had a bald physio called Mick Yeoman. And apparently he ended up looking like Casper the Ghost. <laughs> he got just covered in all his foam. Just like wiped it out of his eyes. And just think Casper the Ghost. And then, and then but Marshy had, had phoned Martin on the night before when it had all happened. He was with John Robinson. He said, there was a curfew at 12 o'clock or something. And Marshy said, uh, hey, Robbo, uh, phone, phone the gaffer, tell him to extend the curfew. And Robbo's stitched him a bit. You phone him. <laughs> People don't phone Martin anymore on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Marshy's got, he's a bit tipsy. He's like, hey, hey, gaffer. 
I think it was like voicemail or something. Go fucking extend the curfew. There's a good lad. Uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin's Martin picked it up, listened to it, or he actually received the call. And he's like, raging. He's like, you don't phone me. I'm like, phone. You're not a good enough player to phone me. <laughs> 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 I killed Marshy, put him down. And then, um, and then the next morning, they were, were going up to get their training kit, apparently. And then John Robinson's come around and said, lads, it's been knocked on there. We're getting chucked out of the hotel. Last night's shenanigans have like, come back to bite us. And Marshy went, hey, it's funny, isn't it? How quick time flies. He went on holiday. He said, that only seems like yesterday we got here. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert was like, it was fucking yesterday. They all traipsed back on the plane and all. <laughs> so did you just, uh, at that point I, when I you got the car? I didn't the car park, that was it. So you took your case out and yeah, off, just went back off home. you went on. Went back home, which actually for me was a blessing because they all flew back in. Like They didn't have to go through passport and customs and that because it was all a bit of a story yeah. and stuff, just like quickness through the airport. And they've all gone to this hotel called Sketchy Grange. Uh, which is where the certain functions Leicester City would hold. Martin wanted to speak to the group there, and that's when he. So did you not have to go, obviously, for no, the, I didn't have for to the go talk? That, so I was just, yeah, I, got out of it I know. <laughs> the shit is the fan, and you're not involved. Yeah. Yeah. Next day, you're yeah. 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 Good good chat. He is fucking raging, <laughs> <laughs> raging. The worst I've ever seen him. <laughs> Some of you are getting shot. Enjoy, lads. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it was nice not to be involved in the mix for a change, but. Um, yeah, they got proper roasting. No, even Marshy was like hanging his head down. He was, You're not a good enough player, son, to call <laughs> my phone. <laughs> Put him right down. <laughs> What's your favourite favorite moment in a Leicester shirt? Um, plenty of good memories. Plenty of good memories. Like, it was all it, it was all an episode for me, really, because like I mentioned earlier about I didn't think I was going to be a professional footballer. Never mind. Oh, I got used to that after a while, but I didn't think I was going to be in the Premier League and. They ended up playing in a couple of cup finals as well, albeit you know, League Cup finals, not FA Cup, but still the final at Wembley yeah. and stuff. And it was, but yeah, without doubt, the best moment was uh, 2000. We played Tranmere. Um, we played Aston Villa in the semi final, scored the winner in that, in like 1 0 over two legs. Um, just thought I'd drop that in in case you didn't have any notes <laughs> or whatever. Um, and then going into the cup final, Against Tranmere, we were expected to win. We'd messed up the year before against Tottenham. You know, really like dire game, to be honest. Um, neither team covered themselves in glory. We should, we felt we should have won, even though they had all the star players. But we didn't play very well. Anyway, we wanted to make amends next year. Goes into the final. I scored the first goal. And it was like, oh, you know, that's, yeah, you, I don't know, it was like pinching myself. Never really thought about scoring a goal in a cup final. All of a sudden it had happened. And then, I was partly at fault for their equaliser. David Kelly scored. Me and Tags went, both half went for a ball, both stopped. Fellow won the header and he got in behind, scored. So I thought, oh, I need to go up the other end and sort this out. Um, went down, as luck would have it, I scored the second goal as well. So it was like just the perfect scenario for me. We won the game. We should have won it more comfortably, to be fair, but we made a bit of a meal out of it. But a win to win, especially at Wembley. But then I was like, scored two goals. Captain, I was man of the match, lifted the trophy. Uh, the only first person Leicester player to lift a trophy, major trophy at Wembley. They'd won other things, but not at Wembley. Celebrating and stuff. But on top of that, my son was due to be, my youngest son was due to be born on that day. Thankfully, he'd waited. <laughs> <laughs> he waited because his mum 
was actually telling me before, like, if I have the baby in the day, you are going to come to the birth, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, of course I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and privately, I was like, hang on, I've got other kids. I ain't got other cup finals. What's this silly baby born? Yeah, silly no like, I can always come see you tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> but luckily, he waited three days. So we celebrated three days winning the cup. Then he was born and celebrated another three days. That was a long week. Um, <laughs> So that happened. Then on top of that, my dad, who's massive influence, as most dads are, um, with me, he backed me first and last goal scorer, 20 quid each. And he won 600 quid as well on the day. So it just perfect. like, perfect scenario, really. So I struggled to beat that day, to be honest, especially in a Leicester shirt. Martin must have been singing your praises in the dressing room afterwards. Uh, yeah. Did you talk about yeah, that just... best, best money I've spent. He did say the complimentary things at times, to be fair, but not, not just to me. He made you feel like you were twice, three times the player you were. Like, I remember him putting me in once and he put me in, he just, I thought I was in trouble. I'm thinking, oh, what's happened here? What's happened? And what have I done now? And he was like, I just wanted to have a word with you. He says, uh, I think you've been magnificent. He said, I consider you one of the top three centre-halves in the Premier League. And I'm sitting there thinking, what a load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> OG, you had Yapstam and whoever you want. I don't know, Tony Adams, players like that. We were playing against them, but some of them like top notch. And I was like, I know he's lying to me, but I'm almost, <laughs> but I'm I'm almost believing it. Like. And you come out there believing it. And I think, he thinks I'm one of the best three centre-halves. <laughs> and I'm running the, the names through my mind. I'm like, what do you think I'm better than him? Flipping out, that's the result. Isn't it? I must be doing all right. And he kidded you into it, even though you knew deep down it, was, uh, <laughs> it wasn't true. But then he could kill you at the same time. I'd go, I'd only been at Leicester, I think, about a year maximum. Pulled me in change room. I was training. John Robertson pulls me in. I thought, now I'm definitely in trouble. Something's happened. Because normally they don't pull you off training, do they? Goes in the office. He says, uh, I said, what's up? He said, nothing's up. He says, uh, I just had a phone call from George Graham. Tottenham manager at the time, he says, uh, he just phoned me and said he, he wants to buy you. He's putting a bid for five million pounds for you. And I'd only come for 1.6, um, say a year or so before. I was like, what? Five million? I, said, I can't believe that. And he went, no, neither can I. So he gives you a boost one minute, the next minute he's like, who would pay that money for you? Sort of thing. And then I ended up not going. Um, like I could have gone, but I actually wanted to stay with Leicester. I was enjoying it. I said, no, I don't, I don't want to move. Look, much as that was a massive compliment, George Graham, Tottenham and all that business, we would have been playing at the back with Sol Campbell. And um, some people think maybe I should have gone. But <laughs> I liked it at Leicester. You know, we were a good bunch of lads. We thought, I thought we were as good a team as Tottenham, maybe not the size of club. I said, I like it here, Gaffer. And he went, that's what I wanted to hear. So I have a new contract for you tomorrow if you want. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll consider it. Definitely like, yeah. <laughs> go on, so, but he was testing me out. Because he actually said to me, if you want to go, I'll put you on the first train down to London now. You can go now if you want. As if to say like, go on, bugger off. And I was thinking, what, do they want the money? Do they need the money? But he was testing Just me out. Just putting it on your tours. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he wanted to see how much, Fair play. how much I was committed to yeah, being yeah. at Leicester and stuff. So. Was there anything mentioned about you following up the Celtic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there was actually, yeah, because initially when Martin left, I think some people assumed that he might come back for a few players at Leicester, as he did with Neil Lennon. 
Oh, uh, also with Steve Guppy, and I think there was a bit of a link with Muzzy, is it? And myself was mentioned as well. But I didn't particularly want to... I mean, the family was settled here, etc. But then a year down the line, things changed a bit, really. I was, things weren't going too well at Leicester for numerous reasons. And then via my agent, my agent also worked with Martin and Neil, work gets round, and he found out that I might be interested in going. And we... Well, I don't know if I'm technically meant to say, but like we had dialogue, shall we say, indirectly. And then, so it came to the point where I thought it was going to happen, basically. And I said to my agent, I said, right, if I'm going to go relocate and everything, I said, like, go big. Like, sorry. <laughs> I was 32. I was 32. I thought it was going to be my last more. contract. I was like, go for it. Like, just have a bit of a laugh with people, <laughs> sort of thing. So... My agent has done that. I used to be with um, Jonathan Barnett and David Manassi, like quite big name agents, like, yeah. And they were good. They were good, to be fair. But I didn't know exactly what the figures had been or whatever. I just said, whatever needs to be done, add a bit on <laughs> to go for it. Sort of <laughs> do thing. your best. Yeah. And he's gone, oh, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. So then he gets back to me, um, Jonathan Barnett. He says, right, you've got to be at such and such. Because I, I, I lived in a barn in the, in the sticks and the signal was terrible. So I went up to the local pub, which my brother-in-law at the time ran. So he, he could phone the landline because I didn't want to miss the call. So he said, I'll be there. Name a phone you can be there. Half past two, Mike will phone you. Don't miss the call. So I'm sat there about quarter past two, just looking at the phone, waiting like that. And it rings, bang on half two. Like that. Before I let it ring a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see two yeah, and I've gone like that. So, so bear in mind, the agent's gone in heavy as he can do. Pick the phone up. Hello? There's like a bit of silence. Like, Hello? <laughs> it's Martin's voice. He said, Hello there. Am I speaking to Zinedine fucking. <laughs> 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 and I was like, oh. Shit, the agent must have gone to see me. Hello? <laughs> they just dropped it in and I was like, oh, my, no, uh, yeah, it's not my fault. He said, come on, Matty, you know I like you, but I don't like you that much. Come on. I was like, yeah, agents, you know what they're like, Kathy, you know what they're like. And then it didn't happen. Weirdly, Leicester, for whatever reason, decided to give me a four-year contract when I was 32. And I was like, oh. And then like, my kids didn't want to move and stuff. There was like personal differences. So I was offered a four-year contract by Leicester at 32, and I was like, oh. I took it, basically. And then but Martin fell out of me. Well, I didn't think of it like that, but he thought I was being playing one off against the other, which wasn't the case. We've cleared it up now. But he wouldn't talk to me for a while whenever I said, oh. I thought I'd let him down. I was devastated, because that's the last thing I wanted to do. But it just, after that Zinedine Zidane comment, <laughs> like, we didn't have any more dialogue. That was the last time we spoke. And he was quite offended. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's fun too. Just an example of his humour. It's a shame, isn't it? I was just went downhill when Taylor took over. Yeah, yeah, it did pretty rapidly as well. To be fair, but it was. I think it was always going to be difficult for someone to come after mine. Like, the quality of manager he was and the job he did, and then leaving just before he left as well. Emil Heskey went to Liverpool. Emil was a big part of us. You know he. he I think it, that was when he played his best football when he was with us at Leicester. He was just raw, the man, man. powerful. Yeah, he was. 
Oh, it was unmarkable at times. <sighs> yeah, I don't want to be too critical of Peter Taylor. You know, he's a decent fella, but it, it didn't work out for him. The best thing he did was like keep it as it was for a bit. His first season, he was there. He kept it same system, same style of play, approach, pretty much same players that Martin had. He was actually top of the league after eight games. It wouldn't have lasted, but he was top of the league. And then I think that even at halfway point of the season, we were in the top six. We were going well, but then he started changing it. He wanted us to sit off rather than go and like press and get into teams and. You know, go and hassle them and upset them. Sit back and concede possession and play on the counter. But we didn't have the good enough players to to play on the counter. It's like say Tottenham do now with Kane, Son, and uh, Richarlison, whatever. But we didn't have the players. Like Eskew had gone, Stan Collymore got injured, etc. And it didn't work out. And it just so, slowly dwindled. Really. Can you remember the Collymore Benjamin? Incident, were you there then? I wasn't there, I heard about it. That was a reserve game. Stan was getting a bit frustrated by then. He was playing in reserves, I think he'd just come back from injury or something. And Trevor Benjamin gave the ball away two, three times, and Stan's a bit dismissive, like, you know, just sort of talking down to him a bit, I think, from what I heard. I'm flipping now, what's that? You know, do better than that. Oh, I've got to deal with this sort of thing. <laughs> and Trev, Trev's a lovely lad, he's good as gold. He's quite handy, though. He can look after himself. Stan's a big lad, but Trev can back it up as well. He's done a bit of boxing and what have you. The big unit, and Trev didn't take too kindly to it, I don't think. And Stan's thinking, he ain't going to do nothing to me. And he's going, <laughs> yeah, all right, pipe down, son. And like Trev's, what I heard, I think Trev was like, mate, one more thing. Say one more thing, something's going to happen. Stan's like, yeah, 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 what are you going to do? And the next bit, bang. <laughs> and he's like, proper cunting. <laughs> And apparently they had like the old Trevor Burbick legs in the chamber and was like stumbling around. They had to like catch him, hold him up and stuff. And Trevor was like, I told you. And then when Trevor went out of the room, I think Stan tried, tried to start again. But we wait till Trevor disappeared. <laughs> but uh, then it was all right. I got on after. It was just a flashpoint. You know, it's like changing. It happens. Things happen, don't they? Yeah. Did you consider leaving after relegation? Like, was there options? Um, after relegation, it was like Harry Bassett took over yeah. after Peter Taylor. And then, right at the end of that season, Mickey Adams, we, we got relegated, and then Mickey Adams took over. He'd come from coach to manager, and then he was going to be managing the next season. So me and Mickey had a bit of a love-hate relationship. He was trying to get rid of all the, the lads who were on higher wages, and he was saying, I can get three players for you. Yeah. So he was like trying to bid me off, and I was like, well, I'm not going. I remember pre-season that year, after relegation, Alan Cork, his assistant, came up to me. We played a, a test, uh, friendly at Sutton. And he said afterwards, he's like, good news, Matt, good news. He said, uh, Bolton have come in for you, Bolton in the Premier League, Sam Allardyce. He said, he wants to take you on a year's loan. And I was like, all right, OK. And I was like, uh, I don't want to go. He was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I just don't want to go. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> you do. He's trying to get rid of me so, that, so they can bring younger players yeah. in, whatever, for less money and stuff. Of course you do, back in the Premier League. And I was like, yeah, I like the Premier League. I said, but I have experienced it as well. I said, do I really want to be traipsing up and down Leicester to Bolton? Yeah. Got a family settled, a young, young kid. And I was like, I don't, I don't really need to do it really. It's nice to be asked. Had your wages dropped when you went to the Championship? No. Right. Although, in a roundabout way, they did because the club went into administration. And as a consequence, 
as players, we all agreed to take a 30%. Um, 13? 30, 3 0. Uh, deferral. The term, deferral. <laughs> Thank you. Got me out there, yeah. Um, a deferral. So the deal was at the end of that season, if we got promoted straight away, we'd get the deferred money back, which ultimately turned out to be the case, which was a result, really. So, but actually, no, they didn't have um, clauses in if we right. relegated. The wages didn't go down. But he was trying to keep me to go. He said, of course you want to go, but Sam Allardyce Bolton. And I was like, yeah, I very much like the idea in some ways, but now I'm all right, I'll stick it out here. I, I, I want to stay at Leicester. And he's like, oh, begrudgingly, he was like, I'd stay captain, but we got promoted, but he, he used to like it when I didn't play well. We were friends now. We actually worked together on, on a, in a different capacity, but uh, he used to have it in for me and tags. But yeah, it was a... Uh, it was, it, it was all just so different from the times under Martin O'Neill. When I, when I think about my career at Leicester, I just think primarily Martin O'Neill. And then the rest was all, almost sort of subsidiary, yeah. if that makes sense. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What was the crack in Nigeria? <laughs> that was with, I was actually with Mickey Adams in Nigeria. That was... <clears throat> both myself and Mickey worked for... Um, an international college here in a place called Market Harbour, which is on the outskirts of Leicester. Um, but it's got connections globally. And people come over, a lot of the students are like diplomats' sons and stuff like that, or daughters as well, whatever, different ages. But you go over there and it's basically like a bit of a PR exercise. So we've gone over there, but um, oh, it was, it was wild. It was wild over there. We literally had four armed guards we were there for a week, we had four armed guards all the time, sometimes eight, just travelling from place to place out there. It's, it's a chaotic place. I don't know if you've ever been out of Lagos. <laughs> lively, mate, lively. Like anything of any sort of level, like there, I mean, there was a TGI Fridays, but it's all fenced off and secured and there's soldiers and security guards are there. It's all protected. It's, well, I, like I, like, I, like, I like a bacon double cheese just as much as the rest of it. Yeah, I, no, like, I like the ribs, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting shot for some. No, exactly. It's, oh, it's, it's an experience, that's for sure. We went to one school once and they, they put on a, a parade for us, uh, the, the, the pupils of school, like, doing all music and dancing and stuff. But Mickey, we had the security guards, but Mickey asked to go to the toilet and it was like quite a big building. But they say, oh, he's quite far upstairs, end of the corridor, turn left, on the right. He said, uh, you'd be all right on your own. He was like, why? I'll be all right, wouldn't I? And they put doubt in his mind. They went, yeah, yeah, just wondered if you needed any assistance. He went, oh, no, in that case, I'll be fine. So he's walking off, he's a bit edgy. Then I, I decided I wanted to go to Lou, but I thought, I'm going to wind him up. So I, he didn't know I was coming, so he's dead quiet in his big building. But we're on centre hooks a bit anyway, because like the armed guards and stuff like that. And Mickey was in the cubicle, like that, and I just looked over the top, I checked it was in. I said, 
bang, as loud as I could, bang, 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 like, like, ah! <laughs> scream, I can't do it, high pitch enough. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like proper shrieking, what are you doing? And I, I pushed it open, he went, oh, for God. <laughs> It was nice to get one over on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We can't not talk about Savage. Sav. What was Sav like? He usually gets mentioned, and he Sav. So he, he was good. He was good as gold. To be fair, he's like he used to get a bit of stick. To be fair, it's like Martin and he go came back to Martin. This is an example of how he could be, but also how Sav was thought of within the squad. Tags might have told you the story. I don't know if it was Sav or whatever, but yeah, Sav had been brought and Casey Keller had the ball at the back and he's, uh, he gave the ball, he threw the ball to Sav, whatever, and Sav lost the ball and they attacked us, nearly scored and whatever. And he said, uh, Martin's like, Casey, Casey, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Casey's like, what do you mean? You know, he was on to give him the ball. He went, you ever think about it, son? He said, like, he said, roll the ball to, is it, to Lennon? Not to Savage. He can't fucking play. Savage's so. <laughs> <laughs> so like, hey, yeah, you want to be? He said, shut up, Savage, just run around. <laughs> Do what you're good at. But, so, but it was hard for Sav because he was a better player than that. Mine was being harsh. Sav was like quite a good ball player when he was at crew, but he knew Lenny and, and Muzzy were better than him, technically, probably. So fair play to Sav, he changed his game and he started. You know, just running around, causing nuisances, being a problem and getting wired in and upsetting the opposition and playing a bit as well. He was a better player than he was given credit for, but, but he was you know, he was only like seven stone wet through. So, but he, he got involved, he, he got stuck in and he, he did a job for the boys, but he's, um, he was a bit different. He's got the hair and the earrings and the, and the white linen suits and stuff like that when we go out. And Ian Marshall used to banish him. He said, don't come within 10 yards of us, mate, like in public. Right? You're, a different, you're a different breed, lad, a different breed. A bit like that. You talked about uh, Mickey Adams wanting to get that, that old school out and not doing a very good job, really, with some of the players yeah. he brought in. Yeah. Like, Keith Gillespie come in. Oh, a whole deluge of players came in. Keith Gillespie, yeah, I ended up rooming with Keith. He, he's, a, he's a character, to be fair. Um, has, he, has he been on, nah, on no. this? You, you should maybe get him. He's got some stories, to be fair. So were you, you captain when, obviously, problems went on, on, the, away, on the away trip again? The, what, La Manga? Yeah, La Manga 2, this, is it? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to mix up which is which. As if they've gone back again. <laughs> no. I was just going to say, Mick Adams, in his wisdom, says... Oh, what happened last time at Manga? Yeah, it all went off and it was nothing major, but it, it got a lot of attention. I know, let's go back there. So it was, <laughs> and then it really did go off, <laughs> didn't it? But there was, it's so, it's so ridiculous, like the accusations, but, you know, it's a few years ago now, obviously, and people's memories will, <clears throat> will blur, but it was, uh, it was big news at the time. Yeah. You know, rape charges were... Front page. In, front page. It was the first item on every news channel, every newspaper, everywhere. Yeah, because we weren't particularly high profile. We weren't superstars or anything like that, but we were still a Premier League club. And all these accusations getting levelled that were just yeah, beyond nonsense, really. But but they still got levelled. And as a consequence, out in Spain, we were there at the camp. Like you get charged with something or accused of something, you're guilty still proven innocent. The other way around here in England. The, the night in question, we were, there was like nine of us out. We just pulled up, 
Checked in, nine of us went out. Some of the lads didn't even go out. We went out, thought nothing of it. <clears throat> there was a bit, you know, was a few incidents, whatever, but nothing untoward. It's probably one of the quietest trips I've ever been on, <laughs> really, up to that point. But that was the Sunday. Monday, we trained, nothing happened. Tuesday night, we trained. We went out for a Chinese together, I remember, all of us, about 16 of us. A phone call goes. Uh, Muzzy, is its phone goes. It's Mickey Adams. Muzzy had a couple of drinks. He was like, all right, mate. Not Mickey Adams. Mate, me. He said, like, get your asses back. He said, like, you're being investigated by the Spanish Vice Squad. He said, like, there's been, there's going to be sexual assault and rape charges flying around. And we're like, what? Having a laugh on this. Like, Muzzy's told the lads what was happening. So half the lads have gone back in a minibus. And I said, well, I'm not going back yet. I didn't even have a starter yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we just, just ordered the food and stuff. I said, well, we're going to have a munch first, especially if we go to prison. Why not eat probably for a couple of days? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So we get back, and it's all bizarre. We're thinking, oh, come on, man. Like, ridiculous. But then we all went into this um, function room at the hotel. So we're there, all the players there, McGann's there. And he's like, boys, right, problem. And we'd all been told to bring our passports down from the room. So hand in your passports, like that. Uh, waited there, and he took it off for about an hour. So we're just hanging around, waiting, come back in. He said, right, they've had, these girls have identified you, nine of you. Um, so work out amongst yourselves who was out. And then when I come back in, everyone except that nine can bugger off, go back to your rooms. The other nine, stay here. You'll be getting investigated tomorrow. You'll be going to the police station tomorrow morning. And things would transpire from there. So we're like, okay, right, so nine of us, we worked out who it was. We're like, yeah, it was us nine, hands up, it's us. Sat there, um, Mickey Adams comes back in. All the lads, apart from the nine, have got up to walk away. James Scowcroft being one of them. Scurry's walking off, Mickey Adams gone, hey, 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 Scurry, where do you think you're going? He's like, what do you mean? He said, but I'm not one of the nine. He said, I didn't even go out. I didn't even go out of my room, let alone go out, out. And he, he went, well, unfortunately for you, son, you've been identified. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, what do you mean? He went, they said one of them had a big mole. He's got a big mole on his cheek. They've gone, yeah, that's him. That's him. He was out. Ian Walker, who was out, has got a smaller mole <laughs> on his cheek. He's, he's sussed it out. He's gone, hang on, put two and two together. Mickey Adams said, Scurry, sit down. Scurry sat down, Ian Walker's on, see ya. <laughs> and ducked off. He's nipped off. And uh, we, none of us had done anything wrong, but we were out, none of us. Scurry ended up with two and a half days in jail, <laughs> 30,000 euros bail, and Ian Walker, we got off scot free and a major bollocking from his missus, Scurry. Because <laughs> he, he literally didn't know that. It was on PlayStation or something, and his missus wouldn't, wouldn't believe him. He said, I, I just sat in my room. Man. Yeah, yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. So he got in a spot of bother, but. And from then, we got taken to the police station. We were in there for a couple of days. And there was one little bit was, we got put in a dungeon, proper dungeon. It was like ceiling to floor, um, bars, concrete floor, a little mattress about that thick. We all slept in our clothes. We got put in, and out of the nine, one got let go. Eight of us got charged with different things, although they were working out what the charges were. So four of us in one cell, four about 20 yards that way, in another cell, bars, ceiling floor. 
I was with Paul Dickov, Keith Gillespie, and Lillian Nallis. Do you remember Lillian, French lad, used to be like Tarzan, good looking boy, long hair and all that. So we were in the cell together. So then you hear the doors open and shut, and the, the police have brought in a local fella who's like blind drunk. Um, I think he'd be accused of dealing drugs as well or something. We heard indirectly, but he's so drunk. He gets chucked in this other cell in between the two groups of four. Uh, and he's crashed out, falls asleep, and he's got this real bad, like, snoring pattern. It just started <laughs> off, but it just started off, like, nice and gentle. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, and this massive <laughs> roaring noise. It builds up to a big crescendo, right? So you're like, Lillian's like, shut up. Bloke's oblivious, right? And then he goes quiet for, like, five minutes. You think, right, we're going to sleep. It's finally settled. Starts again, then the rhythm goes up and up again. <laughs> we can't get sleep, right? It's half past six in the morning. The police come in to take us to the holding cells at the court. So they take us in a meat wagon, but they handcuff us to each other, right? So I'm with um, Frank Sinclair, handcuff. Paul Dickles with Lillian Nallis. Um, they're handcuffed. So we're in the meat wagon, sitting there. All cameras and stuff, the press are taking photos, you know, like Yorkshire Ripper or something, you know. <laughs> it wasn't looking good. And then, so we're moving off, all of a sudden, they bang the side of the door, they say, stop, stop, whatever, and open the door. This drunk, druggy bloke comes in like that. And Lillian sat down like that, fed up and tired. He looks up at him and he's like, You! You asshole! He's like, you snoring, <laughs> you. He's like, yeah, whatever grumbling. Lillian's like, don't talk to me like that. And he stood up. He's got to punch him, right? But he's forgot he's handcuffed to Dick off. <laughs> he's, he's throwing Dicky through the air. He's all, it's all chaos going. His Dicky's getting thrown around. Lillian's trying to pummel this drunken Spanish bloke. Oh, like, like we're not in enough trouble as it was. But, uh, just like mad scenarios, but uh, <laughs> it all blew over, which obviously that like, usually the case, and rightfully so. But it was traumatic for the lads. Was it all just through false allegations in the end? Yeah, that, uh, yeah, beyond false. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It was just bizarre. But <sighs> I feel so sorry for Scorecroft. Scary, he's, yeah, he's there on fucking FIFA. Kunstrick from Walker. <coughs> oh aye, oh aye. He's thrown him right under the bus. Walter's right. Like, yeah, a little yeah. bit naughty to be fair. I thought maybe initially you might go up and see that. But then when you saw it developing, you're thinking, Scurry's getting deeper and deeper in the shit. <laughs> and he's still let it go. <laughs> <laughs> so how come you ended up playing for Scotland? Uh, good question. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the ruling, but my grandmother was Scottish, wow. basically. They just asked me out of the blue, really. I didn't, I've got a slight suspicion. I'll never find out because He's not with us anymore, but my dad, I think my dad might have had something to do with it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he never admitted to it, but it just came about. But I suppose people do their homework because I'd, I'd signed for Leicester and I'd, I hit the ground running sort of thing. I was playing as well as I could. So I suppose these days people pick up on it, don't yeah. they? You know, they're, they're, I'm not sure, never sure if my dad will. But you think your dad might have... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he manager. put a nudge Dropped or... <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he would do that, to be fair. But, but yeah, no, it was... It was a massive honour to be asked. I was sort of pinching myself again, really, because it was just before the 98 World Cup as well. Scotland already qualified, and Craig Brown was kind enough to ask me to join the squad. Oh, it was amazing. The first game was at Stade de France against Brazil. First game of the whole tournament. Yeah. 
Scotland there. It was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> How did this happen? I was with Neil Sullivan, who's similar background to me, Neil Sullivan, goalkeeper. He's from the same area as me, pretty much. Same thing. Grandfather, I think, was Scottish. He, he played a few times. We ended up rooming together. But I remember waking up. Sully's from Mitcham, I think. I'm from Epsom. And then we woke up on the morning of the World Cup. It was like, yeah. All right, Sully, go. How do you fancy playing in the World Cup against Brazil this afternoon? <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, that's sound like that. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we were just like living out this fantasy going on. But, but neither of us got on, unfortunately. But it, just to be in the same arena, they, you know, Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos and Rivaldo were just like popping by and shaking hands with him. Like, hey, have a good game, son. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> do your best. <laughs> no, good times. It was, I ended up... At half time, I just went on the pitch. He said, like, go and warm up for a bit at half time. But I just scored an imaginary goal. No goalkeeper. I just ran up, a couple of touches, dropped my shoulder, and smashed one in an empty net and celebrated. Because <laughs> like, my family and mates were in the far corner. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like this big kid at the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to the end, were it just a case of your knee, struggling with your knee and wanting to, <laughs> wanting to finish? Yeah. Um, yeah, just like slowly degenerated. I was lucky with injuries. I didn't have any horror um, incidents or whatever. But it, yeah, it just ended up with inflammation and a knee, um, arthritis, arthritis. Yeah. It, it, they're trying to work out what it was for ages. And then I just had a bone scan and it just like flared up and showed up on the on the scan. And that was it really. After that, I tried to build it up and take the pressure off it, gym work and stuff. But like, as soon as you... And you struggled with it. Like we were at the point um, where you were like, long. I'm happy to, I'm happy to call it a day now. Well, I just knew I couldn't, yeah, I, I couldn't, I wasn't the quickest yeah. <laughs> at any stage of my career. So I literally couldn't run more than sort of 80% by then. So it's no good, yeah. you, you can't master that for too long. And how old were you? 36, I was old enough. You know, got a fair crack at the wit, really. Um, I felt frustrated. I think every player probably does, don't they? they they think, oh, I could have done a little bit more. I thought, without that arthritis, I thought I could have nicked another couple of years yep. at a level, maybe League One or whatever. But it wasn't to be like 36 was, I had a good time, do you know, and no, no regrets, no complaints. I had probably too good a time. I was <laughs> thinking maybe six months done back at Torquay for the yeah. final <laughs> for the good old days. <laughs> six months ago, yeah, that, that would have killed me off. Six months is like six years down there. <laughs> Cheers, Martin. That was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Tom, mate. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.